LBC. Morning, team. How are we this morning? It's going to rain again, isn't it? I could just tell. I looked out there, I think it's going to rain again. Yesterday, a little bit of overcoat ra- Oh, God. And today, of course, cardiac hospital. Not really looking forward to that. So, uh, the programme's here to cheer me up. I'm, I'm really not bothered about anybody else this morning. I'm doing it for my benefit. Between now and 6.30, the vulnerable man's life ended because somebody complained about a cyclist on the pavement. They're a bloody nuisance. This one's a murderer as well, which uh, doesn't help, does it? My body is disgusting. I'm so unhappy and depressed with myself. Who's this? The dreadfully dreary and uh, mental age of about five, Gemma Collins. She's, uh, she's gained three stone. Well, stop eating, dear. You know, we can't do anything else but advise you to stop eating. Mind you, talking of that, we love food. Especially around here this morning. We've gone mental this morning. Absolutely mental for food. There's enough food. We could have opened a shop. We've got satsumas. We've got tart citron. We've got cheddar cheese, plough. We've got everything. We've got everything. Chocky biscuits. The whole, not for me, of course. I mean, I don't eat any of this rubbish, as you can tell. My body is a temple, as I'll be explaining to the cardiac unit a little bit later on this morning. I must tell you that we have this car company that luckily brings a few of us in, mainly because I can't be trusted to make my own way in, so they, they very kindly send a car for me every day. And every day I get practically a different driver. Practically, because there's so many cars on this circuit. I mean, I, I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I've had the same driver more than three times. Actually, the, the, yeah, I mean, literally, there's probably about four or five people that I've had about three or four times. The rest of them, they're, they're, it's all brand new. The good thing is that 90% of them appear to be listening to LBC at any one time, because it's the only thing that keeps you awake. You know, if you're listening to music, you have the tendency to nod off at the wheel and plough into a few sort of pedestrians, which can be quite entertaining at the time. So, the other day, I had a, a driver. He used to be... Well, he is. He's, he's a plasterer, but there's, there's not a lot of work in plastering, apparently. And so he's driving. And we were talking about, you know, money, and he's got another kid on the way and all this kind of thing. It all, it all costs money. And so anyway, what he's, this, this particular company that we use, the, the cars are booked via satellite. So in other words, if I live in Cricklewood, I don't even know where Cricklewood is. Where the God is Cricklewood? Northwest London. And there's a car near to me, then the satellite will know where he is, and it will give him the job because he's the nearest. So this guy, whose name I don't even know, honestly, I know his phone number, which is a bit ridiculous, I know his phone number, I don't even know his name, but anyway, and so the other day, he was sitting there, and he was waiting for the call, he's literally, he was parked over the road from me, and he spun round, and he said, they haven't called the job yet, and so I said, okay, right, so we sort of waited a bit, then all of a sudden, ping, up comes on my phone, and he's got it, he's, he's got the job, so that's fine, because the satellite has tracked him to being the nearest person to me. No point in sending somebody who's in Godalming or something to come and pick me up in Twickenham. So this morning, I come downstairs, and, uh, and I've al- the, the job has already been called. It's an automated thing, and they send you a text to your phone saying, this is the car, this is the registration number, this is the driver's phone number. And so I looked at it, and I, I, I didn't recognise the number. Anyway... <laughs> So I'm standing there outside, sort of, you know, thinking, please, please don't worry. I've got my little bag of satsumas, my little sandwiches and all the rest of it. I feel like Dick Whittington on my way to London. And, um, and so over the road, on, on come the car lights, and he spins the car around. Well, of course, I knew even before he'd pulled in that it wasn't his job. And so he, he winds down, and I said, it's not you. He went, no. He said a rude word. He went, and uh, I said, no, it's not you. I said, it's, I said they've, they've already called it. It's somebody else. And he'd been sitting there since two o'clock, bless his heart, waiting. <laughs> I said, 
So that was that was sort of a bit of a disaster. But then luckily, actually, the other car that came in, and it was a Prius, we had to sort of climb into this Prius. I don't know, it, it seems a bit high for me. I said, at the back of these cars, they're not very... I mean, his, the other one we had yesterday was much better. But these, this one today, I, I can't quite get my back comfy. You know, because I, I don't like to be... I don't like to be rigidly upright. I like to be a, a little bit back. And I don't know how to adjust the, the seats in some of these cars. But he was listening to LBC. All the, so we're listening to Ollie Mann all the way in. Which is great. They always say to me, you know, we like the radio on, and I sometimes don't no, turn it off. And, uh, no, no, I said, no, no, leave it, because you know, it's sort of, it's something there. But it does lull you into a bit of sort of false security. You start falling asleep. You start, you think, oh, I just not. It's like yesterday on the train, I did actually fall asleep on the train. And my friend Graham, who we sort of pick up halfway along the, the journey, uh, he said, Steve, it's waking up. He goes, oh, oh, oh. Because you never know where you are, do you? You wake up, and I'm, I'm completely divvy, I'm afraid, about things like that. But yesterday was very interesting, because we actually get back to Twickenham by about, I think about quarter past eight, something like that. We're, we're, generally, we're generally there at the right time. We sit first class, of course, because you can. But now they've all twigged, you can sit in first class, so we get all sorts of people, college students and things like that. Yuck, 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 people. And um, as we get back to Twickenham, and we normally say good morning to Brian... I think you should have a big sign above him going, yes, I am the Brian at Twickenham Station. And the place is full of police. Police everywhere. And what they do is they have a swoop, a swoop every so often, where they go up to the station and they check, it's mainly the students because we've got a college there, and they check to see who's using fraudulent cards and stuff like that. Some don't even have tickets. They've wangled their way onto a train. And when they get to the automatic barriers, they try and push through. They'll try and push two or three people through. Have you heard of that before? I thought, oh, you've heard of her? Oh, producer's heard of that. Have you done that? Have you? Oh, you haven't. Really? That is really naughty. Really, really naughty. Anyway, so the, the police are there, and I love it, because I, I think it's great when they stop people. I mean, I, I could be a really good policeman or a traffic warden. Well, you did park there for two minutes, so you're having a ticket whether you like it or not. You know, <laughs> don't touch me. I'll call the police. And uh, so there's all these police there, and as I'm, I'm sort of saying good morning to Brian. So I'm half saying because they're, they're obviously, you know, they're looking to stop people. But luckily, I'm an honest person. I have my uh, free, no, I have a, an Oyster card. And as we go through, there's a, there's a policeman standing by the door. And he, he's, I've seen him before. Again, I nod to a lot of people. I've, I don't know who they are half the time, but I nod. And I'd seen him before. So I nodded and he said, um, great show this morning. <laughs> you never know who's listening, do you? No idea. Half the police force are listening. Sitting there going, I wish something had happened this morning, but not at the end of the shift. Don't want anything to happen, you know, we're, we're, we're coming off shift in about an hour's time. There's a robbery, look the other way, try not to notice. There's somebody just jumped a red... Don't look, don't look! It's like here, isn't it? But anyway, so, so we've eaten, and uh, we've had quite a good day. We've got to ten past four already. We haven't actually done anything on the programme. We haven't mentioned a newspaper. Uh, we haven't done anything. I did, I mean, the, the, produ- the, the producer, Potty, he, he gave me this one. He said, you're going to love this story about Gemma Collins. People know what kind of stories I like. And the Gemma Collins one is because this silly little child, and I call her a silly little child because she's, I mean, she's pathetically a waste of space. I mean, you cannot believe that at 33 years old, she's this infantile. It, it does beg a belief at 33. She's a bit, I suppose, like, it's, she's a simpleton. She's a bit like Joey Essex, but he's, he's just sort of, he's cracked with it as well. Anyway, so Gemma Collins has this relationship. First of all, she's slept with Arge. <laughs> I felt quite queasy over that one. Uh, but there again, anything to do with uh, Arge, James Arge Argent. For that read, fat boy with no talent and a silly little, stupid little bow tie just makes you really angry. And um, and so Gemma Collins uh, had a fling with him. And then at one point, they, they, they finished. And so this heifer lump 
in a bikini, went, well, you can kiss mine, and then she patted her bottom, and I thought, well, quite clearly he doesn't want to, darling. But then it turns out that Amy Child slept with him. I mean, they're really tacky in this programme, aren't they? It's, it's a bit, bit naffing. Anyway, so Gemma Collins uh, has hinted at a desire to lose weight. Well, she's not only hinted at it, she's dragged it out forever. So having, having got um, a, a company, apparently, that sells clothes for fat birds, you know, because now, now she's saying she doesn't want to be fat. So it's, it's a little bit embarrassing that she's got a company because she's capitalising on the fact that she's gross. And she's capital, and now she's saying, I, I don't want to be this, this size. So having bleated about the last boyfriend called Rami... Uh, and they were arguing in a nightclub in Epping. Do you remember that one? I mean, Ave, as far as I'm concerned, if you're 33, you're way too old to be going to a nightclub. It's for young people, you silly fat bird. It's not for you. The other day, who do we have? Callum Best at a nightclub. Callum Best! That ageing Lothario with no talent or anything. At- I mean, unbelievable. I can't work out where his money comes from. His father left him nothing. I think some empty whiskey bottles. I think his father left him and a watch. And that was about the extent of it. But in Gemma Collins's case, she has this argument with Rami. Then she goes in some magazine. It could have been now. It could have been today. It could have been yesterday. It could have been whatever, whatever they're called. And uh, she said, the reason he finished, he called me fat. And, and I thought, but you are fat. What's the point of saying, oh, you're really sylph-like? When you're fat, you know when you're fat? I know I'm fat. Don't bother me if somebody says you're fat. I go, yeah, unfortunately. But I mean, in my case, I have got an excuse. I have got an excuse. I've got it from the doctor and from my diabetic nurse that insulin makes you put weight on. You know, I'm not saying I'm drinking this stuff, but unfortunately, the side effect is you do put on weight on insulin. Can't help it. That's it. Hers is because she eats, because she troughs like a pig. She said the other day, she said, um, I, I can't go round the, uh, the supermarket... I mean, obviously, she obviously thinks she's some sort of big star. So she says, I go to the carvery instead. And you think, OK, great. And um, she's 18 stone. She wears a size 22, but she's hoping to, uh, to slim down. She's realised the health implications. She's 33. She's 33, and she realises the health implications. I mean, they don't come any dumber than this. She claims when she was dating Rami, he would get the hump if she didn't want to eat with him, which meant having lots of takeaways to make him happy. You don't have to eat them at the same time, silly girl. Mind you, talking of people putting on weight. I watched Alan, uh, Alan Titchmarsh's show the other day, and on came Martine McCutcheon. She's ballooned. She's, she was little silk... Martine Silflet. I'm sure when she was on Loose Women the other week, she didn't look the size she did the other day. She came on, and she looked very much bigger. Uh, not as big as Gemma Collins, who trowels on the makeup. There's nothing attractive about Gemma Collins. A foul mouth, I'm afraid. And if there's one thing that's really an instant turn-off, and that's why the poor old bag is single, it's a foul mouth. Nobody likes that kind of thing. It's cheap and tacky. She says, I'm too lazy to go to the supermarket. Well, there you go. I mean, I don't know really what the answer is for you, Gemma. Get a life, I suppose, one could say. I mean, I could be, I could be quite sort of caring about it and say you do need... In fact, in one of the pro, I seem to remember one of the... Anyways, Essex, they, they laughingly, her and little Bobby Norris Cole, or whatever his name is, oh, God, the ugliest gay in the village. And, uh, I mean, really, I mean, I'm sorry, boys. I'm sorry. You know, if there, was, if there was a cast list of who you'd want to sleep with in the gay world and who you would, he'd be way down the list. Way down the list. You know, he just looks like some freak. Very odd, the, tra- the little eyebrows and the... Oh, God, it's gross. Anyway, so they started this thing whereby she was going to lose weight. And so they got T-shirts made. Well, to be honest with you, there's no point having T-shirts made. And so they, the Fahir sisters will turn up for the opening of a fridge. 
you know, turned up and everybody there and, and, and nobody lost any weight. Gemma Collins just piled the weight on. So it goes to Britain. She doesn't want to lose weight. She's just bone idle. That's the trouble. Quarter past four. This is LBC. I felt ever so depressed this morning. Charlotte Church says she's, she's not rich. She's, she's down to her last 11 million. Oh, that we should all be so fortunate, ladies and gentlemen, to be down to our last 11. I'd be grateful if, you know, have a million pounds in the bank. Wait a minute, I have got a million pounds in the bank. No, I haven't really, haven't really. I had to laugh yesterday. I mean, sometimes it, it begs... I mean, I realise that this is 18 minutes past four in the morning, and I do realise that there will be some people listening who probably smoked a, a couple of dodgy cigarettes or they're on medication. So yesterday, with the help of uh, Merle, we did our How to Wash a Cat by Putting It in the Toilet. And uh, first of all, you, you, put, you lift up the toilet lid and you squirt a little bit of, you know, sort of shampoo in there. Then you take the cat gently, push it into the toilet, pull, put the lid down very quickly because it's going to head out the door any minute. And the cat will, will agitate itself in there so you get lots of bubbles. And then you flush the toilet, which gives it the power wash. And so, of course, we read this out. It's hilarious. It's been around for 20 years, as far as I can remember, how, how to bathe the cat. It's the same as how to give a cat a tablet kind of thing. It just sort of follows on. And, uh, and it was hilarious. And one, one poor old woman <laughs> complained, wrote and complained, said, I can't believe you're advocating putting a cat in the toilet. I thought, are you really that stupid and dumb? Are you really that dumb? And I thought, yes, she is. She really is that dumb. See, these people vote. These people vote, ladies and gentlemen. You do something. It was like, I'm, I'm sure she probably believes in Pinocchio and the Tooth Fairy and stuff like that and Father Christmas. I mean, I've never read anything so stupid in my entire life. I had to pass it on to our stupid yet not savable department where you sort of, you, you, you put them in a special little file, somebody like that, so that everybody can have a good old laugh at them. I mean, just absolutely beggared belief. Beggared belief. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Everything is woven in our programme. We don't miss uh, anything out at all. Um, apparently, the uh, I'm a revenue protection assistant for Southwest Trains. Those station sweeps you referred to at Twickenham uh, are known as revenue blocks. Oh right! Oh fantastic! Fantastic! I didn't I didn't know they actually had a name. I just thought they were there to try and try and capture people. I thought that's what it was. I didn't I didn't realise. You know, that's that's how it worked. I had no idea. They actually have a name, do they? I think it's brilliant. I, I want to go back there and um, and just sit and watch the people being arrested. I mean, that's, that'd be a highlight of my day. I did it last time. I actually went back up there because they had the sniffer dogs in, because they were checking the students for drugs. And that I found very entertaining. I just sat there at the, at the bus stop uh, watching. No, it wasn't it? I was actually sitting right outside the station. I loved it. I love things like that. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. Sue says, I saw the cat and the singing budgie, the best ever. Yes, it, I, I got in yesterday, and it, uh, it was hilarious. It, was, it just makes me laugh. I realise that it's only an advert. You, know, somebody, you probably find that poor old biddy who wrote and complaining about the washing the cat thing. She probably believes in stuff like that. She probably believes that animals talk. It's like that mad woman in Twickenham who feeds the birds. It's funny, it's always, somebody wrote to me and said, why is it, Steve? That it's always mad old biddies who go around. You never find old men, do you, going around feeding pigeons and doing things like that. It's always old women. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, this, this particular is mad as a fruitcake. I mean, she really is. She drops birdseed everywhere. Even in total contravention of the, of the council guidelines. You know, to be honest with you, I'd have her arrested, thrown in prison, leave her to sit there for ages. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co. Jamie says that thing of two people going through poddy is known as tailgating. 
You know, when you go through the barriers together, tailgating. He's done it. He's admitted. Honestly, he's admitted it. <laughs> he's admitted tailgating. I couldn't, I couldn't get through the barriers with two other people. Wouldn't be enough time at all. Uh, 84850, steve at It's interesting, they were talking earlier on about throwing a sickie. And some people do throw sickies. We don't, because all of us on the programme do not throw sickies, because we're freelance. You don't work, you don't get paid. You know, we would be literally on our dying legs. You know, we would have to be... They'd have to be carrying us out in a, in a wooden box, I think. Because, you know, we would come into... I've come into work when I've had a cold. I've come into work with a, with a cough. Anything like that. You come into work, you get paid for it. I'm not, I'm not handing my money over to anybody else. I'm far too mean. Far too mean. I like the idea that you do come into work. And it, and it, it is true what they say. Even people in theatre will tell you that you come into the theatre feeling a bit, uh, a bit sort of naff and a bit like that. And then within five minutes, you've completely forgotten about it. The only time I didn't forget about it is when I had that blooming cough, which was doing the rounds. Everybody had this cough. It was like a viral cough. It was really difficult. And uh, you get a little way into the programme and all of a sudden it, <laughs> coughing my way through it. And so, luckily, 99.9% of you came up with brilliant ideas. Brilliant ideas. Um, and, and they actually come up with all these sort of great things. You can use this, you can use that. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, 84850, uk. Everything we weave in on the programme. We don't miss anybody out at all. Uh, let's do another one here very quickly. This is somebody else saying, it's interesting, I also would never, ever uh, do a sickie. I would never, ever do Well, I wouldn't do them either. But you get some people, professional sickies, as I call them, and they just don't want to work. They'll take as much time off as possible. Whereas, uh, whereas me, I love coming to work. I can't think of anything nicer. I mean, where else can you have this much fun and they give you money? I mean, I said to Potty the other day, we actually get paid for this. You know, at the end of the day, I think... You know, at the end, I said the end of the day, but half past six, I know exactly how much I've earned, and I think, it was worth it today. I think I'll go and buy another Bentley. I don't know. You know cheer myself up a little bit. So, stories in the papers. These are the stories making the news. This um, man's life that ended... Uh, Andrew Young paid an appalling price for being a good citizen because you know my pet hate is cyclists on the pavement. I would happily push them off into the road, happily push everyone off. They're a pain in the rear end. It's illegal. Round our way, we have police officers who go out there and who find them. Not enough times, as far as I'm concerned. You could stand there every day. You go, wait, you come here. And it's not just, you know, the stupid people. It's, uh, It's families on the pavement. Get off the pavement. Get onto the road. Anyway, this particular man, Andrew Young, um, he, uh, he sort of told a cyclist off. Told a cyclist off. Uh, he was riding on the pavement. The cyclist's friend, a convicted robber, punched him. He went down immediately. Out cold. Uh, the man who delivered the killer blow could spend just two years behind bars. Lewis Gill, an ugly, pathetic little waste of space. And uh, that's it. The mother's verdict on uh, Andrew Young, who paid the uh, the price, is uh, what a sick joke. Uh, Gill, who had a conviction for handling stolen goods, I think it was, um, as well as robbery, walked away. But He punched him out, literally one. One bang and he went down. And then he just walked away. Passers-by came to Mr Young's aid, but he died the following day in hospital. Yesterday, Gill, who's 20, a pathetic little 
scrote at the best of times, pleaded guilty to a charge of manslaughter, jailed for just four years. Just four years. Pathetic, isn't it? Absolutely pathetic. Mrs Young says, you can see Andrew didn't cause Lewis Gill any harm. Nothing to do with him. Should have minded his own business. But again, some stupid little toe rag. I wish that man who took my son away had pleaded not guilty so he'd have got a longer sentence. She said, I'm a committed Christian, but I think that if somebody takes a life, they should be prepared to forfeit their own. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You go in there, you come out in two years' time for killing somebody. Oh, when you come out, people start hurling abuse at you. Really disgusting piece of work, honestly. It's awful, isn't it? You don't feel as though you've got justice. Remember that lady the other day we had uh, the misfortune to tell you about? The 89-year-old lived in a house for 38 years. And three toe rags turn up on the door and barge their way in asking for money and pushing her around in there. And they punched her and she went down. But being the, uh, the brave 89-year-old, she said, I've lived through wars. She said, it doesn't, uh, you know, it frightens me a little bit, she said, but I just hope the police catch them. They will, don't worry. Nobody gets away with it. Nobody gets away with it. You know, you have to sort these uh, these people out. They're horrible. They're bullies. They're just they're just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Chiswick apparently is sunny. Since when has Chin- Chiswick been uh, been sunny? I don't think so. He said, "Can we have credit checks for people attempting to travel first class?" Uh, no, you can travel first class. You don't need to. Uh, I've explained this before. I perhaps people aren't understanding it. If you're doing a local thing, like to Chiswick or to Hounslow or to Windsor and Eaton, uh, anywhere that's not what they call long distance, and there's a first-class carriage on the train, in fact, there's just generally two, you can sit in it. Makes me laugh that people walk through there, obviously looking with envy at the people who are sitting in the, in the carriage. No, you could sit in there. It's, it, it is, it's declassified. The fact it's got first written on it, it doesn't make any difference at all. It's just what's, whatever happens to be available. But on my trains in the morning, I get two... Two first-class carriages. One is about two up from the uh, from the front of the train, and the other's two down from the back. Brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So, so much more comfortable. The heating works better. You get a much nicer class of person in first class. So I love it. Uh, 84850, up at 4am, says Ian Dale. Renewed respect for breakfast show presenters all over the country. Ah, that's what we do for a living, isn't it, Ian? You just sort of wake up, you just sort of get up, and you think, it's the money. And you come in, because Ian's doing breakfast for uh, for Nick Ferrari this morning. So, but people who, who don't do breakfast, oh, I can't do I can't get up. Of course you can. Once you, I tend to find once you've had the shower in the morning, that's the best bit. That's the bit where you sort you have the. I feel invigorated after the shower, especially as yesterday I went out and I bought some new shower gel because I've got this obsession with shower. Gel. I don't know what's the matter with me. And so I've got all these different Boss and Gucci and Armani and everything else. And so I bought this shower gel and that was really nice. And I've got one of these. It's like a, a mitten. You put your hands in it, and it's, uh, I think they call it a flannel glove or something. And you put a bit of uh, shower gel on there. Fantastic. I love it. So I have a shave, get into the shower, sit there for about ten minutes, waking myself up. Love it. Absolutely love it. Do my hair. Bit of gel in the hair. Bit of product, you know. <laughs> As if. It'd be so funny if you could actually do product in your hair at my age, or with my little amount of hair. And then what else did I do the other day? That's about it, actually. For two days running, and I've got to stop it, because it's become an addiction now. Chili con carne. Since when is chilli con carne? A friend of mine said, you've got to have it with sour cream. I can't find sour cream anywhere. Is sour cream the same as soured cream? No. Well, that's... Well, where do you get sour cream from? And don't tell me Marks and Spencer. So they did, no, they haven't. They haven't. I looked. I went to two. I went to Richmond and Twickenham. No sour cream. I'm going to have to try Waitrose today, aren't I? All I want is sour cream. I just want to put sour... But soured cream is not the same. Sort of sim... OK. <sighs> 
I don't want chilli again, so I'm bored with it now. So I had, had grated cheddar cheese. Delicious. Uh, coming up, your lunch hour is even shorter. It used to be the lunch hour. Not anymore. LBC News time. It's 4.30. 27 minutes to 5. Uh, Nick and Liam are working in security in Enfield in FedEx. I love FedEx. I absolutely love FedEx. I used to order so much stuff from America. And, and then you sort of get the, the FedEx parcel. And I should think, that's so quick. I mean, now, it, you know, you go to conventions for various things, and you don't actually need to go there, because anything you need, you can buy on the internet, in America, in wherever it happens to be. I bought from Brazil, I bought from China, I bought from Thailand, I bought loads of it, and I have it FedExed over. I just say to them, can you FedEx it over? And they go, yeah, and they go to FedEx, and they pick up a box, they put it in there, and then if I'm not in, they stick a card through the door, and I nip up the road to, I think it's Feltham. I think it's, they're on a trading estate, FedEx. You go in there, you show them the card, they bring the box out, you sign for it, and you walk away. It's brilliant. It's abs- I mean, I'm, I waited. If you do stuff normally in post from America, normally about a week to a week and a half will get you an envelope back, which I think is absolutely brilliant. So, uh, love FedEx. What are you doing there at night? I've got no idea. Are you security or something. What's, oh, of course, you'd have to be, wouldn't you, really, I suppose? Sit there looking at screens all night. That must be mind-numbingly boring. Uh, anyway, they say you make us laugh when you talk about the talentless people from The Only Way is Essex. Yes, it could be anybody, really, couldn't it? I mean, it could be absolutely any show, any show that you've ever been there. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Kevin, the Warburton's driver, he says you can get soured cream. You see, soured cream, I don't, it's the same, it's sour cream. Soured cream is different. And Rupert says I could use creme fraiche. But Kevin says you can get it next to the fajitas and taco kits made by Old El Paso. I do love it. I mean, you can buy it when you buy the fajitas uh, from Marks and Spencers. You get the, um, the sort of tomato relish. Then you get the sour cream. You get the pancakes and you get the chicken and, and the peppers and everything. Else. That, that was delicious. I mean, that really was delicious. That is really nice. Could you heat that up in a microwave really, really fast? And it's absolutely, absolutely delicious. <laughs> A very sensitive young lad, says Lee, who works at my bakery, is currently throwing a sickie and brought a letter excusing him for his mum. That's what they used to do at school. I'm terribly sorry Stephen can't make it into school today. He's not feeling very well. Signed, Stephen. Just didn't, didn't sort of kind of win me. But I'm, I mean, I didn't care. I, d- I never did sickies. I was never bothered about doing sickies. Some people did them on a regular basis. I remember working with somebody years ago. And you get so many sick days a year. If you're a staff member, you get so many sick days. And so they would take... They're sick days, almost as if it was part of their, their annual holiday. Uh, Ellie says, I'd like to know the reasoning behind this four-year sentence. This is the uh, cyclist who has punched out. It's on the front page of all the papers. I, when you get into prison, mate, they punch your lights out as well. I can't understand what goes through the judge's mind and the jury's. Well, that apparently was the maximum sentence for manslaughter. Don't ask me. Well, by the way, I've just seen a 40-something-year-old man feeding pigeons. Oh, you sound more cheerful today than yesterday. I was very cheerful yesterday. In fact, actually, I got hundreds of people yesterday writing in saying that one of the best programmes I've ever heard yesterday. So, very, very cheerful, Ellie. I'm never not cheerful. Never not cheerful. I, I can only be cheerful. You can only be cheerful when you earn money. You've got, I mean, absolutely the perfect life. Absolutely. It couldn't be any more perfect if I tried. And that, of course, really annoys some people, which, of course, makes me even happier. Because the more miserable some people are, the happier I am. I derive pleasure in other people's misery. So never unhappy. Never, ever unhappy. I don't do unhappy. I don't think I've ever done unhappy. I've had a few days where I've sort of 
you know, the health hasn't been as brilliant as possible. But apart from that, no, no, I, I never worry about things like that at all. I'm very lucky. People say, would you never get depressed? Nope. Nope. How can you? You're working with a nice bunch of cheerful people. The younger they are, the younger they make you feel. Ta-da! <laughs> we love it. We wouldn't do anything else. We can't think of anything nicer than this, which is great. Uh, here we have Cliff Richard. He's given up watching Coronation Street, apparently, after 53 years of fan for Downton Abbey. He described the ITV soap as his guilty pleasure and even made a cameo appearance, but the long periods he spends abroad means he no longer watches much British TV and binges on DVDs. Wow. He did an interview, actually, on radio. You don't hear really Cliff Richard on the radio, do you, very often? It's a shame, really. I think he'd be really, really good for an interview. And let's face it, he's certainly done enough. So, but he now spends a lot of... So I would have thought, somebody like him, he's got a place in Portugal, hasn't he? And that, I'm assuming, he must have satellite. Must have satellite television. Uh, here's uh, Mark Wright. Oh, this is... I mean, it's what a dreary interview. Um, they're, they're, they're still trying to flog this party around the world. I'm told it's been edited to hell. They've, they've had so much trouble with his, with his programmes. And uh, all they're trying to do is try and put him up there as a presenter. But the trouble is, he just comes over as fake. He comes out, you know, the, the smile is fake. Everything's fake. Just not right. And if, if they're together in a year's time, I'll be, I'll be eating this studio. Uh, the marriage is off till next year, which, of course, we predicted on this programme. And all they're trying to do is to get you to watch this uh, programme he's doing. But as I say, the last one nobody bothered with. And the one before that was canned completely. Uh, and he was dropped from something else. They just can't, they can't sort of find anything for him because he's just... He just comes over as being a bit of a grilling ape. So he just, just doesn't come off right, I'm afraid, at all. Uh, you look great, Rebecca, says Alison Phillips, because they, they say she's had a, a nose job. She looks exactly the same to me. I don't know if there's any difference at all. And they say she's uh, one of the finest young women our country's ever produced. Well, unfortunately, that was, that, that was in the athletic side. She now sees herself, laughingly, as some sort of personality. You know, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, you're a sports person. Oh, no, I think I want to be a personality. I think I should, I'll go and do a reality show. Oh, for God. All she did was moan all the way through it. Moan about how there were other people prettier in there. Although, luckily, actually, Amy What's-Her-Face seems to have disappeared a bit now, so I'm quite grateful for that. And uh, Frankie Boyle then started mocking and all the rest of it. Well, you know, that's kind of tough if you set yourself up. People are going to knock yourself down again. You know, you've just got to get over yourself. And to be honest, you know, people used to joke about Barry Manilow's nose, although there's a picture in some of the papers today of, of Manly Manilow, and it looks like he's walked out of Madame Tussauds. They say there have been rumours that he's had cosmetic surgery. I thought you were having a laugh, aren't you? What do you mean, had cosmetic surgery? Of course he's had cosmetic surgery. I've never seen anybody look so odd. The pictures are terrible. He, he appeared on television... And I showed it to the uh, to the producer, and we both sort of agreed that there's no there's no two ways about having cosmetic surgery. He's definitely had a lot done, and he looks awful. It's just not normal. He's seventy. He's seventy. You know, even old Cliff admitted having Botox. But uh, Barry Manilow, there's this pressure, isn't there, in America? For them to, to try and look good. But then I saw the ultimate TV programme the other day. The ultimate TV programme that, that you'd told me about, and I... Pardon me, I hadn't seen it. And so I decided that when it came on, I thought, well, I'd better watch this. And it's the it's taking it on a little bit from Eggheads, where they, they obviously sort of looked at the panel and thought, who can we turn into somebody who's going to be really nasty? Because, but the trouble is, he's not. So that's why it doesn't work. I mean, the programme is CJ Amui, or whatever his name is, who's... Uh, who just looks slightly odd, if not a bit old, on this one. And they, they sit him down, 
in a very cheap studio with hardly any graphics, and he's got a little iPad next to him, and the five people on the panel are the ones who have to get... So they get asked a question. For every question they get right, they get 200 quid, and... He then, if he thinks they've given a wrong answer, he pushes his buzzer and he comes in with the right answer. And so they've tried to make him out as if he's, as if he's really the ogre of the eggheads. And he's not. He's, he's a little sausage. You know, you, you couldn't make him hard and butch him up if you tried. So he sits and it just doesn't work. You know, the idea of having somebody... You see, I'd have put uh, the other one, you know... I put her on there, because Daphne's quite good. But they obviously must have tried them all out, and he was the one that they thought they could butch up a bit. Well, they failed miserably. It's a shame. I mean, he actually won the other day, uh, because they didn't know the answer. Some of the questions are really difficult. Some of them he didn't know, and then he gets annoyed with himself. But it's just fake. It's just fake, and it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I don't, I don't know why it doesn't work. I'm sure he's actually very, very intelligent, but I don't... I just don't think that it's that the format's right. They're, they're, they're trying to turn him into something he's not, which is a personality, and, of course, he doesn't have one. And that's the trouble. I mean, half that panel on the eggheads, they're, they're very intelligent, but the God knows they're boring. And they don't have personalities. You know, they all sit there. I mean, you couldn't have a laugh with any of them. You know, Daphne sits there. She don't know what planet she's on, poor soul. C.J. Amui, it's another, it's another very camp shirt. And then there's the bloke who drives trains. Then there's the dreary one who's got the glasses, and he's a bit boring. Uh, then they've got the other one, who might or might not be camp as a Christmas tree. And then they've got um, the woman who won, who wants to be a millionaire. That was Judith Keppel. And uh, she's right, but some, sometimes she doesn't know diddly squat. Whereas Judith, uh, sorry, whereas uh, Daphne, appears to know about pop music and stuff like that. You know, you could say the Arctic Monkeys 30th single. I, I think it, was it Raiding in the Snow? Or something? And they go, yes, it was. And you think, well, how does she know this? Is she being fed answers or something in her ear? I have to watch it because it's, it's quite funny. And I, I like it when, when people win. I like it when they lose as well. I, I get as much pleasure out of them losing as, as I do out of them winning, I'm afraid. But the CJ Amui or whatever it is, it just, uh, just doesn't work, I'm afraid. It just doesn't work at all. And it's only because they've tried to make him into sort of a, you know, a tough, hard person, which he, which he isn't. There's a phone fraud. Oh, I must tell you a story. I don't know if I can tell you this story. It involves a friend of mine. Uh, I got the other day at work a fake Apple email, which was saying, uh, we need to, and you probably had it as well, we need to input uh, your details of your password because otherwise we're going to deactivate iCloud. Uh, iCloud is the thing that means you can, dow- everything downloads automatically. Yeah, it's all, it's all up in the cloud and, and, it's, and it's absolutely fantastic. You know, it's, it's absolutely Brilliant. I absolutely love it. I cannot tell you. So this email comes in, so I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, and it's, it then puts my name up. It puts steve at lbc.co.uk. Well, of course, my iCloud is not linked to steve at lbc.co.uk, but I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that at all. And so what I was doing, I, then, so I thought, I'll, I'll just put in a fake password to see if it takes me to the next page. Well, lo and behold, it does, you see. So you go to the next page, and that's when you realise that this is a fake email. And I'll tell you how you know it's a fake email in a moment. I'll also tell you how strawberries, I think we'll send some to Gemma Collins, can help blast the fat. This is LBC. This is LBC. 13 minutes to five. So, going back to this email. Now, they must send out millions 
You know, even if ten people take them up on it, they're, they're, they're going to make, you know, like £20,000. And so this is how it works. And it's all very professionally done. You know, uh, this email is to inform you that your iCloud ID has been temporarily suspended and you can verify your Apple account information. This is a security measure to safeguard your Apple ID for unauthorised use. We apologise for any inconvenience. And it's beautifully laid out. It's got the logos. It's got everything on it. And it's only because when you get to page two that you... And they they say here, account verification... um, we may occasionally ask our customers to complete these steps for many reasons. So they start off verifying your Apple ID, OK? So you put your name down, your middle name and your surname. Now, bearing in mind, and I'll tell you this now in case you're, you're either a bit hard of hearing or you're a bit stupid, Apple never ask for this information, OK? Uh, then you put your address down and then you put down your region. And then, then you update your card and bank information. So they're looking for your card number, the expiry date, and the last three digits. They say this will be used to verify your identity and as the default payment method for purchases in iTunes or App Store. Okay, And you put down as well your account number at the bank and the sort code. I mean, as if. if, Of course, there will be some thick people listening. You've probably gone for this one. And then the security question. What is your passport number? I mean, as if you're going to hand this information over. They also want your date of birth. In other words, they're going to steal your identity. So, so far, you've sent that if you're that thick. So far, you've sent them your bank account details, your credit card details and your passport number. So easy to create something. So I, I sent it off to, uh, to a friend of mine. I said, what do you think about this one? He said, well, it's fake. He said, because it doesn't have a return email address. But what, what they're doing is they're looking for this stuff. They say, read the Apple customer privacy policy. And at one point they link you to the Apple website. But it gets even worse. Because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. Just be warned, incidentally. It's just on Apple ID and it'll be under the iCloud thing. So just be warned. It, it looks genuine, but it's fake. It's fraud and it could have come from just about anywhere. So this friend of mine, is, is old mum is, a, is getting on a bit. And she gets a phone call from somebody purporting to be the police. And the person on the other end of the phone says, Oh, hello, this is uh, the police here, so-and-so, so-and-so. Just to let you know, we think somebody has fraudulently obtained details of your credit card. And so she goes, Oh, right. And they go, Do you have the credit card there? And she goes, Yes. They go, Can you just go and get it? Hold on a sec. So she goes to get it. And they say, can you read us out the, the long number? So she reads the long number out. They go, that's the one that we've got down here. But, of course, she's just given them the number. She don't, you know, they don't have the number. So she says, um, right. And they say, listen, what we need to do is we need to make sure that we can put a block on this. We're going to send a courier around to pick up the card and bring it back to the police station. And what we want you to do is hang up. Call, call the, the number on the back of your visa card and talk to a person there. So she does that. She says, they say, put the phone down, turn the card over, there'll be a number there, call that number. So you're thinking it's genuine, aren't you? Because how else would they do it? What they do the other end is they don't hang up. So when she picks up her phone to dial, she's still connected to the fake policeman who then pretends to be somebody from Visa. And they then say, well, what did the police say? Which is them. 
And she said, well, they said they were going to send a courier out. Right, well, let them send a courier round. We will put a hold on the card at the moment. She's still talking to the fake policeman because she's old and she's confused. Anyway, believe it or not, and it gets worse, the phone goes down. She doesn't think, she just thinks that she's been saved. The courier turns up. Not only do they take the card, but she hands over jewellery to them as well. Don't ask me how that happened. I have no idea. I didn't get to the bottom of that one at all. But she hands over jewellery. And what they did was, once they'd got the card, they've got all the details that they want. They don't need anything else. Uh, a friend of mine was in London the other day. He said, I was watching pickpockets operating in Oxford Street. Because there's crowds of people. Students go around, they've got their backpacks on. It's easy for people, you know, to, to lightly finger, you know, open up the little package, take the... You watch a pickpocket. I know pickpockets who do it as a, as a you know, as a trick. As a, you know, as a magical thing where they can take your watch and your tie and wallet and stuff like that. And then they put your wallet back in again and then they take it out again and they've got it. And it's, it's all very clever. And, uh, and I, I just thought I'd, re- I'd remind you that there are still crooks out there. You know, you'll get email. I used to get them from Barclays Bank. Well, I'm not with Barclays Bank. So I would never do anything like that. So if you get anything that says we want your details, just put down some rude word and send it back to them again. I always think that's, that's quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> amuses me anyway. I like that. Um, and, and and there was a story of a phone fraudster. Who again? You know, people do it on the phone. There was that. What did they do on the television ages ago? They not ages ago, about a year ago. And it was an old man, and he'd been targeted by people who told him that he'd won a lottery abroad, and they were going to bring the money round to him, uh, but he had to send them some money to start with, and he'd sent some money. And then they they said, well, listen, then they, they, they contacted him a week later and said, listen, the company that we're dealing with you, we've now taken them over. And I know that you've paid £225, 60 pence to them. Well, that's gone into their into their bank account. We need another £180. So dutifully, he paid £180. And then then one of his children thought, wait a minute, this sounds like a fraud. And so they ended up calling the police. The police went round there. They tapped his telephone to listen to this fraudster saying, yes, we'll, we'll send somebody round with your winnings. It's uh, 160, I think it's, let me just verify, it's quite plausible. It sounds quite plausible. But if you've never entered a competition where there's a prize and it's a brought, why would, the, you know, if you haven't entered a competition, how can you possibly win it? And the answer is you haven't. The answer is it's fraud, and that's the big problem for a lot of people. So he sat there. He seriously believed that a courier was going to turn up with a, with a box with a, with a check inside for, you know, about a quarter of a million quid. But, of course, it never happened, and they had to say to him, listen, people lie. People take advantage. He said, but I've handed money over to them. And think, well, you know, they've conned you out of money. In this particular case, uh, this man pretended to be from their bank and said their money was at risk before giving them a police number. When they rang it, the con man answered this time as a policeman. So it's the same thing. What they do is, you, they actually say to you, listen, call your bank... Put the phone down, call your bank. So you then think you're speaking to the bank. They've just got their hand over the receiver at the bottom. And he hasn't disconnected the line. You're still connected to him. And he goes, Barclays Bank. Oh, yes, hello. Let, wait a minute, let me just check on that. Tap, 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 you know. Oh, yes, I can confirm that, uh, that there has been some sort of activity there and the money is at risk. Anyway, he gave them a safe account number to transfer their savings. So they transferred £78,000 into this other bank account. They come from Trowbridge in Wiltshire. They said, it's absolutely wicked. We worked all our lives for that money. And uh, now they're going to see if they can 
get it back again. If ever you send money abroad, if there's some fake old bag masquerading as a Russian prostitute who's interested in being with you, the chances are they're in Nigeria. They're not Russian or anything like that. They're Nigerian con men who are sitting there. More cons come out of Nigeria than anywhere else. And people fall for it. And no matter how many times you explain to people, and no matter how many times you say, listen, if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true, then, you know, don't ever hand money over. And that's why people who've got dementia, I know lots of young people listening thinking, oh, wait a minute. You know, because they, they think, oh, I, I did speak to the bank and, and they, they confirmed it was genuine. No, you're speaking to the first con man. That's the trouble. I tell you what, I'll call my bank from my mobile phone. You know, you hang on this line, I'll get the bank up on the other. That's your, that's your line. That's your line. I used to get cold calling at home. You know, where you pick up the phone and they go, and you know that you're on an automated system. Because when you pick up the phone and it rings, there's a gap before the operator. They go, oh, quick, I'll try, I'll try. Hello? And you go, Yes. Oh, how? <laughs> you know, would you like double glaze? No, I don't, dear. And, um, and I discovered the answer, apart from taking yourself off either the mailing preference service or the phone preference service, where it's illegal. So now what they do is they phone you from outside the country so they can get away with it. An answer phone. They will not leave any messages on an answer phone. That's the best way to get out of a situation like that. Or failing that, go, hello, I'm so- are you the funeral director? And they go, hello? You get the funeral director. We're just trying to arrange, you know, for for a funeral. They go, uh, and all of a sudden you hear a click the other end because they suddenly realise that they're going to be in deep doggy doos. These days, I put you on thirty minutes before I get up and snooze whilst I gently wake up. Says Richard in Uddersfield. Uddersfield. Actually, somebody said the other day, wouldn't they say they said you must come and visit different parts of the country? I thought, good God, you must be joking. You know, why do you want to go up north or anything? I mean, some of it. Yesterday, uh, where was the, the place we were talking about? Telford, they said, very good memory. That sounded lovely. See, Telford sounds quite nice. I don't want to go to Huddersfield. I can't think of anything that recommends Huddersfield at all. I'll go to Edinburgh. I don't mind going to Edinburgh. Uh, Ross, Ken and Matt are off to Gatwick, which is lovely. Uh, and Anna says, uh, are you pitching a new Towie storyline in which the Fahir sisters... God, what a boring punch of... Nobody's they are. Spend the episode trying to work out the difference between sour and soured cream. They're the same thing. No, Rupert says they're not. Rupert says soured cream is not the same. So, you know, I have to go by what Rupert says, I'm afraid. I'm not believing anybody else. I only believe... And you're in Northampton, so I couldn't believe a word you say. I only believe Rupert. Rupert is the is the font of all knowledge, as far as I'm concerned. He's... Uh, soured cream is not... Otherwise, it would say sour cream on there. It's not the same. Absolutely not the same. How dare you even suggest such a thing? And, and you're in Northampton. <laughs> What's Northampton famous for? Is that, is that famous for anything? Do they make anything in Northampton? I don't know, I can't think of anything either. There must be something. We'll have to, you know, somebody, somebody can do some research for me, Paul, and, uh, and find out what they do in, in Northampton. I think that'd be quite funny, actually. What do they do in Northampton? What's it famous for? There must be something. There must be famous people from Northampton, like Bolton's given us Peter Kay and Vernon Kay. Have you noticed they're all called Kay up there? Peter Kay, Vernon Kay, Toss Daly. You know, it's a bit dull, isn't it, really? Uh, what else was in the papers today? Oh, there's loads of stuff in the papers. I mean, there really is. There is a veritable cornucopia in here. There's another footballer on the front page of uh, one of the papers for today. And um, Muslims have banned Katie's God video. I'll tell you what I saw the other day, changing the subject completely. I saw Lily Allen singing her new single on Graham Norton's show. I thought it was really good. I hope it's a hit. Plenty more to come this morning. 
on Steve Allen's early breakfast. We'll be looking back through the papers that carry stories like Benefit Street facing a probe. I hope they axe it, actually. They've had over 1,500 complaints on that one. Um, the best of British, the thriving manufacturing sector, employing 2.5 million people. Good news for Dappy. Yes, Dippy Dappy. Pictured in OK magazine this week with his bestest friend, Louisa Dreary Old Boar Ziesman. Uh, the Towie Mob who can't cash in on catchphrases, and Joanna Lumley, why we should live life to the full. And spring is here, but don't leave your brolly at home. We take all your texts, tweets and emails. Keep them coming. From LBC, this is Steve Allen, and all that's coming up next. Morning, everybody. Coming up to four minutes past five, Charlotte Church down to her last 11 million. She says she's got an extravagant lifestyle. I don't really know what sort of extravagant lifestyle she could possibly have. I mean, how much does booze cost nowadays? She's got a little house, she's got kids. I don't know whether she's uh, in a relationship. I'm not too sure about that one. Uh, plus, Dappy, such good news. Didn't have to declare himself bankrupt. Managed to find that 140,000 quid, because we've all got it lying around. I've probably got it in my pocket at the moment. Uh, the Towie mob can't cash in on their catchphrases, because they own nothing on Towie. It's all given to them. There is no such word in Essex as ream or well gel or any of that kind of baloney that is fed to you by Joey Essex and the ridiculous Amy Childs. Uh, and incidentally, take your brolly. Because it's going to rain. That's why, in fact, there's never a day that it doesn't rain in this country. And we've got more of it arriving, I'm afraid, by the second. It just gets absolutely worse and worse and worse. And uh, on the subject of uh, manly barono, barono, barono? Anyway, Karen says, my husband and I have always called him Barry Big Nose. And yes, he has way too much surgery. It looks awful. He does look very... He, well, if, if you see the picture that's in one of the papers today, it's the odd... Which paper was it in? I can't remember where we... Was it the, the Express, is it? And... I'll have to look at it again just to just to reaffirm the fact that it's it's a terrible terrible picture of him. He's he was appearing on an American television show, and so they, they've said, "Oh, he he looks good." I thought, "Well, he must be blind. He doesn't look good at all." He just looks very very strange, very very strange. I mean, he's seventy. I don't see seventy as being an excuse because a lot of people listening could be seventy. Sorry, page twenty-seven. Thank you, and. Um, and you think to yourself, why have you sort of, why have you done this to yourself? He just looks, I mean, he looks like he's wearing a woman's mask on. He looks like that, you visionary don't fail. He looks like that, you know, where they, they made this mask for Robbie Williams to wear when he was playing Mrs Doubtfire. And it looks a bit like that. It just, it just looks odd. I'm sorry, when you get to 70, I know it's an, an awful thing to say, isn't it? I'm nowhere near it, as you can well imagine. But, I mean, you do get lines and you do get, you know, facial things. But if you have cosmetic surgery, what it does, it takes away the lines. And then you just look odd. Because, you know, if you've had Botox, and I'm assuming looking at him, he appears to have had everything done. But unfortunately, when you get to a certain age, you just can't have this done because it alters your face beyond belief. And in this particular thing here... um. It just looks odd, I'm afraid. It just looks odd. And uh, people are now saying that there's, uh, there's little sign of ageing. It's because he's had these facelifts over there. And everybody ends up looking the same because there's a limit to what you can do. You cut behind the ears, you take a piece out, and then you sew it back together again, and it tightens it up. But we've all seen horrendous pictures in the papers of, of people. Look at that poor bride of Wildenstein, Jocelyn Wildenstein, who obviously didn't appreciate just how awful she looked. She looked freaky. We have somebody in this country, her name is Cindy somebody, and she apparently spent a fortune on facelifts. And I think, why? Why not let yourself grow old gracefully? It's the whole idea. Nobody's grandparents look like grandparents now, do they? 
they all look very, very young. Whereas my, my grandmother looked like a grandmother. She was a little old lady. I always imagine, always her skin was very cold. I don't think she ever used makeup. A little bit of powder. A few of you probably recognise that. You know, a little bit of lip. I don't even think she had lipstick. Don't even think she had lipstick. Didn't really bother with things like that. She spent most of her life in a pair of slippers and a house coat. She, you know, cardinal redded her, her, uh, her doorstep and did all the usual things. Didn't have any central heating. Probably froze to death nearly in the, uh, in, in the winter. But she looked like a little old lady. Now, people are going out there having Botox and, you know, girls of 16 having breast enlargements. And then you've got Louisa Zisman, you know, and her silly, tacky little lifestyle. And the son of, you know, dethroned her. Because she reckoned she had better boobs than Helen Flanagan. I mean, two of the most vapid wastes of space you'll ever bump into, I'm afraid. Um, we've been trying to find out, it's not easy, what Northampton is famous for, apart from being up north. And it's, it's famous for shoemaking. There you go, clogs. It's uh, obviously clogs, whippets, flat caps and everything else. And uh, they, have a, they did make shoes for Oliver Cromwell's army. In 1648. Uh, and, you know, the majority of people, it, you know, were shoemakers. Or, as I prefer to say, cobblers. And that's what they did. And they made lots of shoes. The main industry uh, before that was wool that was woven and dyed in the town. Actually, talking of cobblers, I was watching one of these antique programmes and there's a very irritating, very irritating little bald man who goes around the country buying salvage and stuff like that. God, he's annoying. Is so annoying. Yesterday we had him wearing his flat cap, and you think, "Oh, grow up, pal." He's so annoying. He's so irritating, which means he's probably going to get loads more work on the BBC. He's even more irritating than Susanna Reid. I didn't think it was possible for anybody to be as irritating as Susanna Reid, who little Miss Smug, as she was called by uh, somebody the other day. Eight four eight five zero. Nick says sour and sour cream are the same, whether you're in Northampton or not. I'm not going to Northampton. All right, I'm not going there. Actually, Ian Dale says they make shoes in Northampton. The football team is nicknamed the Cobblers. Oh, there you go. Oh, lovely. Uh, lovely. <laughs> so now we know. Nicknamed the Cobblers. Seems fair enough, doesn't it, actually? Seems fair enough. Cobblers. So got a fo- they play football up there. Is it a girly team or something? I can't remember. Are they very butch up in Northampton? Is it a, I mean, you know, do they have a nightclub in the town or something? Would they have a gay bar in Northampton? That'd be quite interesting. They certainly wouldn't be having any gay bars in Arizona. What a slick link. It doesn't get any better than that. Because you remember yesterday we told you that Arizona is about to pass state law by this wizened old bag who's putting it through and why she's not been, you know, tomatoed and egged and everything else. I've got no idea. Just to ruin her meticulous little hairstyle she's got. But in Arizona they've decided that uh, if you're Christian, and that's your belief, I don't know how many Christian shop owners they've got, uh, if you're Christian, you can refuse to serve gay people. And I said yesterday, you know, so gays one minute, then blacks, then Jews. I mean, as one of the reporters pointed out, what's the difference between between banning gay people from your shop if you're Christian and uh, and, and banning black people or Jews or, you know, Hispanics or anything? It doesn't matter what it is. It's uh, And it, now there's a backlash. It's fantastic. The big companies over there, including their very own football team, are retaliating. Apple, who are just about to create 2,000 jobs there, are now rethinking. And to be honest with you, I, I personally think the whole infrastructure could collapse because of this stupid woman. I mean, I, I did recommend yesterday that every gay in America should go to Arizona 
And apart from they should egg all these all these shops. I mean, if anybody discriminates against anybody in a shop, and you go in there, I mean, what, I mean, perhaps they can't tell. Perhaps they're a bit thick over in Arizona. I don't know. Unless people, that's the gay people of Arizona wear big badges going gay. And you go in there and somebody says, I'm terrible. So it's against my Christian beliefs. It's almost as if they're actually saying there aren't any gay Christians. Whereas, of course, there are millions of gay Christians. There are millions of gay Muslims. There are millions of, millions of gay everything. Absolutely everything. So I think every gay person should go to Arizona, open up a business and refuse to serve the Christians. And especially if that woman goes in anywhere, I think you literally, you just throw stuff at her. You know, rotten tomatoes, eggs, the whole, the whole caboodle. But it's back... There's a backlash against it because I've never heard anything like it in my life. I've never heard of somebody saying, if you're Christian, I mean, what you, how intolerant, you know, if there was such a thing as the good Lord, he must be absolutely turning on his cloud up there and going, what is the matter with these people? They're not following any teachings that I gave at all, I'm afraid. But uh, they think they know best, don't they? They think they know best. Um, two women appeared in court yesterday accused of owning a dog that mauled a pensioner to death. And here's a picture of them. Cl- oh, Clifford Clark was savaged by the animals that Haley, Sully and Della Woods are being accused of being in charge of. Uh, Mr Clark, who's a retired hospital porter from Liverpool, was savaged by the dog when he opened his back door. And um, they've got this here in coming. There's, there's an awful lot of people, aren't there, who've got these dangerous dogs. And they seem to commit acts sometimes so heinous you can't get your head around it. And then they get, well, not going to do it, you know. And you think, well... It's just just not right, is it? Just not right. Uh, I see that there's a, a man coming up in court. It's on a it's on a drink drive charge, and I love watching the television programmes where they have the the drink drivers. And the excuse that they're using for this one that they're saying that the uh, the machine that measured the breath because what they do is you you do a, a roadside breath test and you go keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and uh, and then they go well you've failed. That's a fail. Then they take you back to the station and you have to agree to do another breath test on their machine. And that's generally a little bit more accurate. But if you've, if you've proved positive on the first one, there's a very good chance you're going to prove positive on the second one. And this particular person up in court and his lawyer has argued that the police didn't take his mobile phone off him and that interfered with the reading. I mean, it's, it's a great wheeze. It's a great wheeze. I hadn't heard about that at all. But, uh, and the, the police say, no, 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 we did take the phone. They always take people's phones off. They take their wallet. You empty stuff out and put it on the counter. That's the whole idea when you've been arrested for something like drink driving. So I shall watch that one with great interest. Great interest. Uh, Billy says, Rod Stewart, 69, looks good. Um, yes, I mean, I, I, I don't, has he had surgery? You don't think Rod Stewart's had surgery, do you? I don't think Elton John's had surgery. I don't you know, perhaps a bit of Botox or something like that. I should imagine the boyfriend's had loads. I can just imagine David would have loads of stuff. Teresa says, I was pestered with letters saying I'd won £20,000. Send them £29 admin fee. I wrote how delighted I was. Please deduct the fee and send me the cheque. Never heard from them again. Yeah, I always think if ever you get those things in the post, you send it back to them, but without a stamp on it, just put return to sender, let them pay it. If, if the whole country did things like that, they'd soon stop doing it. And that would be the, that would be the good thing, as far as I'm concerned. This is after the, uh, the story of the, the people who got royally ripped off to 78,000, the mother of a friend of mine who got ripped off to the tune of a couple of thousand, and the fake letter from Apple iCloud. And all they want is your passport details, your bank account number, your sort code, in fact, just about everything to rob you blind.
So don't ever respond to any of those emails. In fact, in theory, you shouldn't open them up because it verifies your email address, but I couldn't care less about that because we have a filter system here at work. There's, ne- there's never anything. And also, oh, by the way, if you've got an Apple computer at home, if you've got an iMac or anything like that, there's a new update you must put on immediately. Go to the, uh, to the front screen, top left-hand corner, click on the Apple logo, and it will do it all for you. Coming up, Joanna Lumley on why we should all live life to the full. This is LBC. It's 5.15. News headlines, Lisa Aziz. A major European study has found a direct link between... That is 18 minutes uh, past five. Uh, Steve, I think a gay couple should go to Arizona, open a gay Christian shop. Yes, I think that would be quite exciting. I mean, to be honest with you, it's such a backward thought. It's almost as bad as being in Uganda, isn't it? Where homosexuality is now illegal. I mean, as if it's kind of a choice. I mean, they're so stupid over there, they couldn't be any thicker. The president must be the dimmest person on the planet. And if there is a god, he's going to strike him dead with a thunderbolt. Can't happen quick enough. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Oh, we found out, incidentally, we, we found something very exciting, very exciting, courtesy of Paul. Famous people from Northampton. He says, your partner in crime, Toby Anstis. Is he Northampton? Alan Carr, and uh, Malcolm Arnold, and Keeping Up Appearances is filmed there. As usual, you know, coming to the rescue every time, Paul. Thank you so much. In Manchesterford, so that's good. So now we know. Oh, somebody else has told me about it as well. Sonia says, I'm not sure. Sonia comes from Loughton in Essex. What, girl? What are you doing? Now, you have to talk to them in their own language, otherwise they don't understand what you're on about. Doesn't Alan Carr come from Northampton? I don't know. I'm, I've heard of the place. I've never, I've never been there, I'm afraid. Never been there. Uh, there's a huge hit on Broadway right now that celebrates shoemaking in Northampton. Oh, is this where the kinky boots... Everybody's talking about your kinky boots, kinky boots, kinky boots. That was, um, on a Blackman did kinky boots with uh, Patrick McNee. And there was a firm in Northampton. Oh, no, I remember this one. I remember this one, actually. Uh, Stephen listening in the Hollywood Hills. And, um, oh, the producer's very excited now. We've got somebody listening in the Hollywood Hills. That's his dream. To live in the Hollywood Hills. He uh, doesn't do any work. He just go to live in the Hollywood Hills. Which sounds very exotic, doesn't it? A bit sort of show busy. And there was this firm. And they were in... They might have been in Northampton. I can't remember. I mean, you might be right. Family firm. True story. And they used to make shoes. And the business was difficult. Because what they were competing with was all the foreign imports that come in. You know, you, you go to China. They'll make you a pair of leather shoes for about three quid. So the time they get here, you can have shoes, leather shoes on sale for under £10. And they were finding it very difficult. So they sort of tried to go out market and do custom-made shoes. And that, and that didn't work either. And there was the danger that the company was going to close down until they decided to go to a fetish um, show. And they discovered that there is a huge market out there for fetish. For people buying thigh-length boots dominatrix boots. I myself do not have any of these items, it has to be said. But they, they all of a sudden go into the kinky boot market. And so they, they make some kinky boots. They take them over there. They're in red plastic and red leather and all sorts of things. I mean, really, really sort of super stuff. And they suddenly realise, oh, there's a huge market for kinky boots. And so the whole firm has turned around and there was a film about them. And there's now a stage show written by Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun which I like, my favourite song, and Harvey Firestein, Torch Song Trilogy and Hairspray. It's a Tony Award winner and is heading to the West End. It's a musical about this family firm making kinky boots for drag queens. They also made shoes for drag queens because men who do drag, like Mark Wright, uh, they, um, 
in his latest show, and they're selling that as if that's some selling point. <laughs> Shows how dire the programme is. Anyway, uh, men have got sort of size 11 feet. You don't find many women with that. So they make shoes for, for drag queens. So that's why. Latest news from Arizona is that the governor, Jan Brewer, will bow to pressure and not sign the anti-gay law. Thank you, Steve. I should think so, too. Otherwise, I say, we have to go round there and we have to royally egg her. We have to just, you know, get, I mean, the, the, the moment she stood, and they, they had somebody in who was representing the Christian side of it. I've never heard of a less tolerant person in my entire life. I thought, there's more chips on your shoulder, love. It really was. It was, it was, it was quite sad to hear somebody who was so anti-gay, you know. So if, if a shopkeeper's Christian, he should have the right to not serve people. What? What? They didn't ask you to go round and sort of take your clothes off or anything in the bedroom. And to be honest with you, most shopkeepers in Arizona are pig ugly. I mean, you don't want to go there. It's the, it's the pits of the world, I'm afraid. Uh, yesterday, I thought I was being stalked. Well, actually, for the second time, because I was coming back from Pret-a-Manger the other day, and I bought myself a little sausage baguette kind of thing, which was very nice, and I'm eating... I bought two. I'll be honest with you, I bought two. And I'm eating one crossing the road, and I get bibi, bibi. And I look up, and there is the black cab poet, Michael Dennis. Oh, it's Steve. Oh, it's... Okay, I'm, I'm, cool. I didn't know what to say. I'm just eating my breakfast crossing the road. So anyway, so I thought, I thought nothing more of it. Nothing more. Yesterday, I'm standing in Paul Cooper's shop, and I'm, I've just bought some, um, some little plants and some things. I'm sort, of, I'm sort of just musing about, you know, the price of potatoes and which ones to go for. And also, Bibi, it's only Michael Dennis again. I thought, what are you doing in Twickenham? He said, he said it's beginning to look like stalking. I thought, yeah, it is. He put, he'd, he'd been to Putney or something, or the Heath, no, he'd been to Heathrow. That's right. He said, I happened to glance in at Paul Cooper's as I drove past, and you looked as if you were having a good old chin wag leaning up against the Brussels sprouts. <laughs> he says, I'm throwing myself onto the fire again tonight. I'm hoping to do a slot at the Apple and Snakes Jaw Dance open mic night at Rich Mix on the Bethnal Green Road. That's a mouthful, isn't it? The Apple and Snakes Jaw Dance open mic night at Rich Mix on the Bethnal Green Road. It's my first this year. Wish me luck. And you could tweet him at the Black Cab Poet. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. What would you be wearing for this event? Will you have, will you, do you have an outfit? I like the idea of an outfit for that. That's, that's a very, very good idea. But he, he does all our poetry for the programme, you see, because we, we like this kind of thing. We like it. Um, <laughs> Karen says, I've just found a photograph while I was Googling Barry's... Uh, things take ages to open up here, and I don't know why they take ages to open up. It's, it's either the computer running a bit slow or I'm doing it wrong. Oh, there it is. Oh, look, a picture of Barry Manilow looking butch with Victoria Wood. Looking fairly vacant. <laughs> and Beckham. It's, oh, it's, is that Beckham? Oh, right. How lovely. Oh, sorry, yeah, what did I say? Victoria Wood. Oh, how stupid, honestly. I'm, I'm obsessed with Victoria Wood. I don't know why. I'm just obsessed with Victoria Wood. Howard says that Northampton, almost famous for... And Leslie Joseph, as well as Alan Carr. Is, is it Leslie, really? Wow. I didn't know that. I've had Leslie Joseph taking her clothes off in the back of my car. I've had Leslie Joseph in her underwear in my car. Not many people could say that. Well, I'm assuming not many people could say that. Of course, I might be totally wrong. There might be hundreds of people listening who go, I've also had Leslie Joseph in her underwear in the back of my car. It was a few years ago. Uh, for your info, uh, CJ of Eggheads has, uh, has a civil partner, a male, which is unsurprising. <laughs> His his new project projects him as a toughie, like in The Chaser. No, it fails miserably. It doesn't work because he's not that sort of person. I mean, when you get The Chaser, there's that big Wagnerian woman who does that with, with Bradley Walsh. Well, she didn't do anything with Bradley Walsh. I want that on record. But uh, they're all fairly big, all the people on, on The Chase, which I like. But they're, they're, CJ Amui is just a bit too camp. 
You know, and it's no good trying to butch him up because it just doesn't work. He just comes over as frightened. It looks like he's caught in headlights. So, so for me, it didn't work, I'm afraid. It didn't work at all. I have a uh, caller display, says Colin. And I don't answer international calls or out-of-area calls or withheld numbers. I got tired of being pestered by them, calling two or three times, put messages on my cordless phone answer machine, telling them nobody at this number talks to international call centres and to go away and, uh, and disappear. The answer for a message cutting after two rings, so now I get peace and quiet. Yes, my answer to cold calling, get an answer phone. And actually, that's an ideal thing for, for elderly people. They're dead easy to... Well, in fact, you don't even need to set them up because they... Unless you want to put your own voice on it. But if you just want to... Have it there. It's already got the, there is nobody available. Please leave a message after the tone. Beep. You know, and then you leave a message. And that's why all these people will hang up straight away. And then if you want to know the number, you dial 1471. And that'll tell you what, what the number is. But uh, it's better for elderly people. So they're not picking up the phone and just talking to any old person. So you have to, uh, you have to check that. Uh, Erica says you're making me laugh this morning. For why? What would be, what would be the reason for that? I don't know. Perhaps you've had uh, some balloon gas or something like that. Actually, I'm trying to organise some something. And um, Ian says, I love sour cream. I was wondering if sour cream can go off as it's already sour. I don't know. One of those questions, is it? We should never get the answer. Weather for today. I thought you'd like to know. Chilly start, mainly sunny spells. And then, just as I'm going to the cardiac unit, isolated showers again. So I'm going to get drenched. Uh, generally dry for the rest of the afternoon. High 10 degrees at the moment, around 6, depending on where you are tonight. Breezy in the evening. Rain sweeping in in a swooping kind of a way. Tomorrow, rain clearing eastwards. Sunny spells, scatter showers in the afternoon, 11 degrees. And Friday, unsettled. All oh, the good news is Saturday, Sunday, drier and brighter. But wait, wait for this bit. Frost becoming likely. Which means, once you start getting the frost, do you think we're going to be getting the snow that they've had in America? I think we are. Because now what they've got is they've got the thaw and all the rivers are now cracking up and all this ice is flowing down there. I think we're going to get it as well. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain, pretty certain. Lovely day it was yesterday, says Noreen. It was. Hopefully she has no snow now. And the cyclist on the motorway, what was he thinking of? I don't know. They're so stupid, some of these people, aren't they? I mean, cycling on a motorway. You see the dumbest people, I'm afraid. Sandy Shaw is 67 today. And the wonderful George Harrison would have been 71 yesterday. She says, uh, take care, get on well at the hospital. I hope so. I'm not looking forward to it at all. I hate it. You have to take your shirt off. And I don't do the taking off of shirts anywhere. You know, not even in the shower. I keep it all on. So much easier that way. So we have to do it because they've got to connect you up to the machine and and make you walk. Uh, Arizona, of course, says Michelle has a history of prejudice and intolerant. Intolerance. In the 1980s, they didn't want to give a day off for Martin Luther King Day. I'd, well, I looked at this, this governor. What a horrible woman she turned out to be. Horrible, horrible, terrible. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Michael hadn't thought of an outfit. He said, can I borrow a sparkly jacket? If only they had them in your size, Michael. If only they were in your size. But uh, I fear it is not to be, I'm afraid. I fear it is uh, not to be. Uh, pulling the plug on exit fees. Customers stuck with energy tariffs. My producer, it turned out, used to work for one of the water companies. Because I said to him, I got my water bill in the other day. I said, it's a lot of money. He said, well, you should, you should go to them and sort of, you know, because you're paying too much money. You know, he said, tell them you're a single person. I said, I'll tell everybody I'm a single person. Not just the water companies. He said, because then you should get a discount for being a single person. Because it turns out that some of my neighbours are actually paying less money than I am. I'm 451 quid. It's ridiculous. Coming up, the Hyde Park victims are denied justice. LBC News time. It's now 5.30. With the latest LBC headlines, Lisa Aziz. A major European study has found a direct link between nursing cutbacks and... 
morning. It's very strange, isn't it? One minute Dappy's got no money to pay the tax bill. The next minute he manages to earn £140,000. That's creative accounting for you, Dappy. That's great. Apparently they said he earned 100000 for Big Brother. I don't know why. He was boring as heck in there. Very boring. Ian Dale is in for Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, on the day the Woolwich killers are sentenced, Ian will be asking, should they get whole life terms? I'm sincerely hoping so. I can't think of any other reason why you wouldn't. And can life mean life? That's what they, they, the judge can now call for nowadays. I mean, I don't, I don't see any defence whatsoever in this one. I absolutely don't. Plus... Should you go to prison if you commit domestic violence? Absolutely. I'm, I'm part of the Hangham and Flogger Brigade, I'm afraid. I've, I find it absolutely amazing that, you know, somebody can microwave a kitten and we go, oh, well, you know, a bit of a shame. You're obviously not all right in the head, but uh, community service order. You think, well, you know, I'm sorry. We need to come down harder, I'm afraid. And uh, do you think that the BBC is worth the licence fee? Um, well, I suppose so, yeah. I mean, I don't... You know, for what, I don't even know how much the licence is now. What is it, £140, £160? I don't know, for, for, for what you get. Although, you know, why don't they just run adverts and then we can have it for free? And I did, oh, I did the other day. What have I just done? Do you remember the other day, I said I was watching the Graham Norton show and I like to sit there and amuse myself by counting the number of people on the credits who work on the programme. And on the Graham Norton show, there were 43. 43 people working on the Graham Norton show. I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, it just seemed, you know, absolutely... Uh, for a once-a-week show, 43 people. It got even worse on Eggheads with CJ Amui. Four, sorry? Uh, £145, is it? Oh, right. You, you've just been p- overpaying on your... You, it's 160 in Ireland, yeah. And that's the euros. Is that euros? Yeah, I thought so. Which is about £145, so you're paying the same. OK. Uh, so anyway, so... I forgot where I was. Oh, yes, 43 people working on the Graham Norton show. On the CJ Amui Eggheads thing... Which is one one person behind a desk, CJ Amui and his iPad, and five people. Forty six people working on it. Forty six people. I think we should take the license fee away from the BBC immediately. They're quite clearly idiots, and they're wasting money. Forty six people. What in God's name do they do? What do, do they sit there? You know, going. Oh, it's so great to be working with the BBC. So, um, do you think it's worth the money? The BBC. No, let's take it away from them. Take it. Forty six people on a program that the audience would be so tiny. You could probably count them on one hand. Uh, looking at the papers today, Chris Blackhurst will be in the studio. Uh, BB says, I very much doubt there's a law against gays in Uganda. You're not serious, I hope. Have you read the papers? Are you, hello, are you in the real world? They're imprisoning people. They wanted the death penalty. What do you mean you very much doubt there's a law? It is law in Uganda. They don't want gays. The fact that the whole country and probably the present are sort of veritable fairyland is neither here nor there. But, uh, no, they're imprisoning people. It's imprisonment. Sixteen years people go, go to prison for for being gay. I don't quite see the logic behind. If you're gay, you know, and that's, that's men and women, they lock you up in a place with lots of other gay people. Seems like, you know, the ideal situation. You know, why be outside with all those murdering so-and-sos when you can be inside having a nice time? But, of course, perhaps the president's a bit too thick to have worked that one out. But, no, it's illegal. They wanted the death penalty. It's only because the intervention by the United Nations and right-thinking people throughout the world that they managed to sort of rescind that one. That's why, over in Arizona, quite clearly, the governor is a homophobe. And, as I say, probably, you know, probably he's got lots and lots of chips on her shoulder. It'll, it'll never go through, that bill. If it does, I can imagine big business pulling out left, right and centre because they're not going to... You know, can you imagine a company like Apple... Or, you know, any of the big companies over there and people then writing to them and saying, I'm terribly sorry, you're supporting this. They'd be pulling out left, right and centre. So uh, she'll have to. She's obviously very stupid, I'm afraid. Uh, Rebecca says, I'm very annoyed at myself. 
Uh, I must not switch you on when I wake up as I can't get back to sleep again. After being out of the country and oop north, she says it is grim, for the last 17 years you've just confirmed why I love living near London and civilization. I love the way you think that, that sort of, you know, London is civilization. You want to come through it some mornings, it's not civilization at all. But uh, still very entertaining. Still very entertaining. Um, greetings from the Grand Duchy of Frinton, says Michael. Mike Berry, who was in Are You Being Served, was born in Northampton. All oh, right. He's in this part of the world in September in a show, Rock and Roll Heroes, with John Layton. Wow, John Layton. Was John Layton the one? Johnny, remember me. Or was that somebody else? Paul. I have to find out these things. Uh, another one here. Uh, Ken says, um, sour cream and sour cream, the same thing. I used to manage a chain of well-known Mexican restaurants. Da, 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 da. When we ran out, we bought sour cream. We made our own using lightly whipped double cream and lemon juice. Ooh, is that, somebody said you could probably add vinegar or something. I don't really think the idea of adding vinegar, but I suppose it makes it sour. I suppose that would be easy. Um, 84850, uh, Ursula says, uh, love your show, love your show. She says, you've given us all the greatest information. Read the phone and internet frauds, especially being visually impaired in my mid-70s. Keeps us on our toes. I had one of those fraudsters on the other day. Started off, I'm a solicitor, to which I replied, really? And which company do you represent? They then put the phone down. She's off to South America. It's good. If we can, if we can help people out, you know, through falling for these uh, fraudsters who, they don't care whether you're old, infirm, disabled, they don't care, they just want your money. They have no interest in you whatsoever as a person. And that's why, as far as I'm concerned, I would like to take them out and hang all of them. You know, I think that's, that's fair game. Uh, C.J. Demui's real name is Joseph Connor, and he changed it by deeper. Really? Oh, right. See, people tell me, I didn't know he changed his name by deed poll. Uh, when he was 19, the new name is Dutch for the beautiful one or handsome man. He's certainly neither of those, I'm afraid. <laughs> Delusional, I think. And uh, the new quiz, by the way, says Nigel is dire. Yes, I think so. It's, it just looks cheap and naff. And, and they're, they're trying to make him into something he's not. Although I was very surprised at Anne Whittacombe's column today. Very, very surprised at Anne Whittacombe's column. Uh, I thought Anne Whittacombe was an animal lover. I thought Anne Whittacombe, you know, was the sort of person you could go to because she likes animals. Quite clearly not. She talks here, On Friday, I had the privilege of welcoming the latest recruit to Noah's Ark Zoo Farm, a very happy elephant called Buta. This Somerset Zoo is setting a world standard in provision for these animals with 20 acres in which to wander. I was going to write to Anne Whittacombe and say, Do you realise how far elephants wander? 20 acres? That's a stroll to the next tree, dear. They walk hundreds and hundreds of miles, and she thinks that's okay. She thinks it's okay. So, well done you, Anne. You've gone way down in my estimation, I'm afraid. Way down. Oh, it's great. They've got 20 acres to wander in. It's an elephant. They do hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles. I don't know. Some people you just can't explain things to, can you? Uh, The trial, the judges ruled yesterday, the murder trial of Oscar... Pistorius can be televised live to millions. I like the idea of trials being televised, don't you? I, I like the idea of sort of, of watching and seeing, you know, the, the due process of law. I'm fascinated by things like that. Having done jury service, because it made me a world export. Uh, sorry, a world expert, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Sandra uh, says she likes uh, listening to the programme, which is good. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Dot co dot uk. Another one here, and uh, this is from Quentin, who quite clearly is a bit thick. 
He says, gay people choose to live a gay lifestyle. Black people don't choose to be black. Oh, you really can't be that dim. Please tell me you're not that stupid. Please tell me you're not that stupid. You can't be. Well, you've got a phone. How did you manage to get that? You nick it? I can't believe you. That's stupid. Just doesn't, doesn't make any sense, does it? Even the producer thinks you're quite mad as a broomstick, I'm afraid. Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, I just found this other story here. Uh, this is people doing sickies. 131 million days lost last year due to people throwing a sickie. I, be- I, would, I would hazard a guess that 90% of those people are just bone idle, I would think. They're just bone idle and they don't want to actually go to work. I would think that's all it is. Because throwing a sickie... It's just a bit bad, isn't it, now? And you tend to find the people who do it as staff. You won't find anybody freelance who throws sickies. Nobody does that. They really don't. Uh, you really have to love EastEnders to think that the licence fee is value. It's not just about the BBC, but the whole output. And I don't see as to how one franchise can claim a monopoly over it, says Mark. You say, well, I mean, it's, it's the amount of people working on programmes. I've always been fascinated by, you know, us in the commercial sector who, who work on... What I would consider to be a skeleton staff, I mean, there's two of us on this programme now, just two of us. I sit here in this bit, and Poddy sits next door in his little bit, and that's, and that's two of us. The equivalent show over on the BBC would have, like, ten people on it. Ten, and then some. I remember going to see a friend of mine who did work for the organisation, and being absolutely amazed at how many people were sitting in the control room. And I was, I was looking around thinking, but what do you do? You know, they had somebody driving it, somebody supervising the person driving it, somebody supervising the person who was supervising the driver of the programme, somebody sitting at the back making notes. There was a researcher, a runner, a phone-op, two people in the studio actually putting the, uh, the discs on, and the presenter just sat there in this cacophony of people. I couldn't, I couldn't quite work out what they all did. And so when you look at that C.G. Mooney's programme on the television and Graham Norton, between them, 90, over 90 people working on those programmes. What a waste of my... I'd go in there and go, no, you're out. What do you do? Uh, I'm a runner. We don't get, get... They can go and run for themselves. It's like I remember once bumping into a radio presenter who uh, who used to sit there, and when the, the poor AP used to come in, used to go, uh, can you go out and get me a cup of coffee and a sandwich? Get off your fat bottom yourself and go and get it. Never anything like it. I don't sort of say to the producer, you know, um, you know, could you just go and make me a sandwich or some toast or something like that? I don't do that. Although I think I might start, actually. I quite like the idea of toast in the morning. It's not a bad idea. Somebody says, you are a world export. Yes. <laughs> I, I could be a world export. Well, you can pick up this programme around the world. I see no reason why we couldn't be classed as, a, as an export. It was just a, it was a bit, uh, bit of a Freudian slip, I'm afraid. I don't do those. So if, if you've done sickies, I mean, some of you probably do professional sickies. I do not, I'm afraid. I do not do sickies. I try not to. Sometimes it's forced on you if you if you really are that sick and you can't you just can't go that extra mile. But at the moment it's okay. Might not be after we've done the uh, the cardiac unit this afternoon. <laughs> not looking forward to that at all. Anyway, never mind. Uh, coming up, teen pregnancies the lowest since the nineteen sixties. This is LBC. It's five forty five. LBC headlines: Lisa Aziz. A major European studies found a direct link between nursing cutback. Anybody remember what that uh, food... We were just chatting about food, and of course, the worst thing is to talk about food, you suddenly want to start eating it. And it's a Thai dish, it's a starter, and it's little pastry things with mints inside. Little t- I can't remember what they were called. We couldn't think... It's not dim sum, is it? That's, that's Chinese, is dim sum. But this particular one in, in Thai restaurants is delicious. Apparently they do it in Wagamama's as well. Sounds delicious. <laughs> that's what just, do, do Wagamama's do takeaway? 
Oh, do they? Oh, I might have to go. We've got one in Richmond. Lovely. Uh, I am enjoying your show today, says Betty. Thank you. Well, what do you mean just today? Every single day you should be there for the programme, especially at four, because that's the time we, uh, we start. Uh, I think if R- Lee Rigby's murderers get in prison for the rest of their life, it should apply to every single murderer. I think I would, I'd, I would be happier in myself if I thought that life meant life. That's why the story on the front page of the Daily Mail and running in a lot of the other papers is so depressing. The story of the cyclist who was told off by this man. Uh, then a third party comes into it, punches this man for telling the cyclist off. He goes down and he dies in hospital the next day. And the killer, because it was, uh, it was manslaughter, um, he's only 20 years old, he's a convicted robber, he's quite clearly a, some dreadful old tow rag, uh, is 20 years old, and he could be, he'll be in prison for four years, which means you could be out in two. You see, I don't quite understand that situation. As far as I'm concerned, if they say you will go to prison for ten years, you stay in prison for ten years. Not this time off for good behaviour. I'm not subscribing to that load of old toffee, I'm afraid. If they say life, you die there, you know, and you get buried within the precincts. I think that's the, that's the best way, when they, when they sort of hanged people years ago, you were buried within the precincts of the prison. In fact, I think at Newgate Prison, where they walked to their deaths down this long stone corridor, the stones that they were walking on were covering up the bones of those who'd been executed before. And so if it comes back that the killers of Lee Rigby get life, I'm expecting it to be life. I would think the family, I would think 90% of people in this country, right-thinking people, would demand exactly the same uh, I can't quite get over Rebecca Adlington's nose. I'm really not interested. As far as I'm concerned, she's an athlete, but now she sees herself as a personality. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is the beginning of the end. I think once you start going down that route and they start popping up on television programmes, that's when I get, I get particularly angry about things. And I sort of I think to myself, no, you're not a personality. You're an athlete. You, we, you know, we've wasted time and money coaxing you and coaching you on these things. And then all of a sudden you say, I want to be a personality. I want to be photographed by, by the papers. And so I couldn't care less whether Rebecca Ablington uh, has a new nose or whether she hasn't. It doesn't make any difference because what happened is people were saying, oh, she's got a big nose, because they, they do. People say that. Kids say it. Adults say it. It doesn't, you know, you just turn the other cheek, as they say. You know, somebody says, you're fat. You go, yes, yeah, so? <laughs> and you're ugly. It doesn't make any difference what anybody says to you. Only if you It's like in The Only Way is Essex. I mean, poor old Lucy Mecklenburg. I mean, a drip of the first order. And, uh, and as we mentioned at the beginning of the programme, poor old Gemma Collins can't make up her mind what she is. Fat, thin, you know, happy being fat. Yeah, really happy being fat. So I've got a company that sells clothes to fat women. And then at the end of the day, you think, but well, now you're saying you're not happy being fat. In fact, really, the only way that you're going to stop being fat is to stop eating. It's got nothing else to do with relationships or anything like that. In theory... When a, when a relationship finishes, because he called you fat and she was moaning about it in the papers, now she's saying she is fat. So, in other words, it was a load of old twaddle that she came up with before. I mean, a 33-year-old, you know, child masquerading as a fat bird from Essex. Ridiculous, I'm afraid. Alison Phillips is the one who was saying in the papers, you look great, Rebecca Adlington, like you did before. Because it comes from within. It comes from within. It doesn't matter whether you've got a big nose or sticky out ears. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All you've got to do is learn to like yourself. And once you've learned to like yourself, you're there. I know lots of people that, you know, they're not, they're not great looking or anything like that. You know, it's, um, it's, it's just, I was just, I was just laughing to myself. Ian Dale sent, sent me a tweet. Cause he's, did I mention he's doing breakfast this morning? Anyway, he says, uh, listening to Steve Allen's show, God will send a thunderbolt to strike the president of Uganda dead. Soon, I hope he wrote. 
I think we're also going to send one to Arizona, Ian. I think we're going to send one there for the governor. I think she, she deserves to be sitting on a cloud by the time we get to Christmas. Ridiculous woman, honestly. Don't forget, you can uh, follow me at Steve Allen Show. Actually, it's amazing how many people have retweeted. God will send a thunderbolt to strike the president of Uganda dead. One of my better lines, I think, today. I can't bear this intolerance to people. This, you know, what are they frightened of? I mean, he's so ugly. Nobody's going to be remotely interested in him anyway. Um, another one here. The, uh, this is from, uh, from Dan. He says, uh, great show as always. He says, uh, the benefits scrounging layabout sicky throws can all be banded under one saying. O-T-E. Off the estate. Yes, it's, it's a sickness culture, isn't it? It's a sickness culture in this country that people want to throw a sickie. They want to... I mean, I, sometimes I'll, I'll be sort of in Paul Cooper's shop and, and you see, you know, mums with, with children out and you think, why are they not at school? You know, and you know what the answer is. Uh, they're not feeling very well today. Well, they managed to make it up to sort of wander down the high street. Uh, please, please tell us about strawberries. I'm in great suspense and in danger of falling off the edge of my seat, says Mag. Um, yes, I will tell you about the strawberry weight loss later. Uh, I'm going to save it. No, it's what, what they're saying. I was going to send some to Gemma Collins. I think we should be sending strawberries to her immediately. Because what everybody's looking for, aren't they, is the, is the, is the magic losing weight. I know that many, many of you write to me, sometimes in confidence, sometimes in crayon, and you, and you write in and you go, Steve, how do you lose weight? What is, what is the easy way to do it? And I always go, well, don't, don't follow any of these ridiculous celebrity fads. You know, you don't want to take any notice of, of Sonia from EastEnders, do you? You know, because she's fat, thin, fat, thin, fat, thin. And then having pointed out earlier on today, and I seriously, I noticed it straight away, and that was Martine McCutcheon on Alan Titchmarsh's show. She's definitely put on weight, but, but quite, a num- quite a lot of weight. Quite a lot of weight, and I'm sure only the other week she looked thin. Perhaps it was just clever makeup or something. But anyway, now there's some pictures in the in the papers of her today, looking like she's put on a few pounds, and then some, I'm afraid. So that's the so that's the sort of. I love the story though in the paper of a man called Ian Brook. Ian Brook is one of those. There was the the story the other day. I can only liken it to the nearest thing to a miracle. If a miracle occurs, there was a, a young lad. He was in a hospice. 14 years old, he had an incurable illness. His, his uh, blood count was coming down. He was becoming iller and iller and iller. And they knew that the end was in sight. And so they gave him the last rites. Um, the family were there with him. And uh, they, they were not expecting him to go the weekend. This was on, I think, the Friday. So he'd had the last rites. He was 14. He'd made his peace. He'd decided, you know, he, he, was, he was quite happy to go and all the rest of it. The Saturday, he starts making a recovery. And by the end of Saturday, he thought he was really much better about the whole thing. His blood count had gone up, and on the Sunday, he was almost back to normal. They sent him home on the Tuesday, and this was a boy who was so near to death. And there's a man in the paper today. His name is, is Ian Brooks. He had... 70 tumours in his body. 70 tumours in his body. Uh, he had uh, two weeks to, uh, to start the treatment. He was given weeks to live, and he's the first person outside America to trial this new drug. What they said to him was, listen, we've got this new drug. Do you want to try it? Now, if you're faced with that decision, if you are faced with the decision of, listen, they've said that what, what's happening 
is that these, these tumours are going to kill you. It's terminal. OK, we can't do anything else. But there is a new drug which you could try, which might do some good. You're going to take that, aren't you? You're going to take that. You're going to go for a new drug. Unless, in the case of that little boy the other week, the other little boy who was only 11, who said to his mum, and he didn't, he didn't, and his doctors, he didn't want any more treatment. He was sick to death of going backwards of horse to hospital. He just wanted the illness to take its course. This man decided that he was going to try this cure from America, or what they thought was a cure. 70 tumours, two weeks after starting the treatment, it's cleared up. The tumours have gone. Uh, he'd been running out of treatment options for a rare and very aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And you look at the pictures, and his cancer spots are all over his body, and then, you know, you, you look now, and it's fantastic. It is fantastic. I mean, th- this, this drug can be administered rapidly and has few side effects. I can imagine everybody's... I mean, I don't know how expensive it is. I don't know. But, uh... Within 24 hours of taking the drug, which destroys cancer cells from the inside, he began to show an amazing improvement. Isn't that fantastic? Can't they do amazing things nowadays? That's why, you know, whenever they say we're we're sort of collecting and it's for research, you always hope one day they're going to find a cure for cancer. You always hope one day they're going to find the cure for the common cold, because I'm sick to death of Lemsip and all those other ridiculous things, which never seem to do any good. I've tried tons and tons of stuff before, and so they've never found a cure for the common cold because it's a virus. And yet here they have a wonder drug which killed off 70 tumours in two weeks. I mean, it is. It's, it's that gift of life again. It's fantastic. Now, once we've found a drug that makes you lose weight fairly quickly and gives you a six-pack, I'll be buying into that one as well. 84850, steve at uk. I'm sure that they, they will bring something out, whether it's in my lifetime. I don't know. It would be nice to think, wouldn't it, that they're going to bring out some some tablet you take at night and you wake up the next morning and you go, well, the weight has just vanished. Although you're going to have to do exercise because once the weight goes, you can have all that flab hanging around on your body. So you've got to use the exercise to sort of tone things up a little bit. That's what that's what it was described to me as. But they, they, they will never, ever find this cure in my lifetime, because at the moment, as they say, there are so many dietary aids on the market that it's a huge multi-billion dollar business. All in all, you just have to remain being fat until you've learned to educate your stomach to accept less. Plenty more to come. This Wednesday morning on Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, we go through the papers for you. Search out some of those stories which you think, I love that story, love that story. Joanna Lumley, why we should live life to the full. Teen pregnancies, the lowest since the 1960s. Barry Manilow looking very weird, very scary. Uh, A death test that reveals if you'll be alive in five years' time. Would you want to take it? Do you really want to know? I'm not sure I'd want to take it. Some strange curiosity inside me means that I, I might have a sneaky peek. Charlotte Church says, I'm not rich, I've only got 11 million. And I love Michelle. She reminds me of me, says Mark Wright. I'm Steve Allen. That's next. On F on LBC. Morning, five past six, Wednesday morning in London Town. Still to come, strawberries. Apparently, it's the way to lose weight, so they say. And there are strawberries in the shops at the moment. I think they're coming in from Spain. And there's some quite good ones. But uh, how many do you need to eat to help with the weight loss? We've seen so many diets over the years. We've seen the hay diet. We've seen the F-plan diet. We've seen this diet, that diet. The truth of the matter is none of them work. Because if diets worked, 
There'd only be one. It's as simple as that. That and the fact that Charlotte Church is bemoaning the fact she's down to her last 11 million. And uh, it's not enough. She apparently has a very extravagant lifestyle. Me too. Me too. I can eat a whole packet of quavers. It's amazing. Six minutes past six. So these strawberries and the, and the idea. This is from a, a bit of research from an Italian university. Now, I was never sure about the benefits of strawberries. I just assumed you eat strawberries and you dip them in cream, or if you're really posh, you do them in balsamic vinegar. And uh, because I thought they taste awful, but you have to pretend you like it. So people go, oh, don't they taste great? And you go, actually, to be honest with you, no, they don't really. They're, they're much better with a good dollop of cream on. Or failing that, they pfft, squirty cream, which goes everywhere, which we absolutely adore. Uh, so, if you eat strawberries... You can cut your cholesterol, so they say. Many of you trying to cut your cholesterol by nearly 14%. Scientists have found adding them to the diets of 23 healthy volunteers significantly slashed the amount of bad cholesterol and trigger... What do they call it? It's triglyceride fat in the blood. Oh, I'm all in favour of that one, if it, if, it, if it does something. But you've got to eat two average-sized punnets, around 500 grams of the fruit, every day for a month. Blimey. I'm not sure I could eat that much. Oh, I don't know. Could you eat that many strawberries? Probably could, actually. But they've got fructose in, so you've got to be careful. If you're a diabetic, be very careful. I wouldn't recommend this for diabetics at all. Italian University researcher Maurizio Battino says the study showed the protective role of strawberries against the risk of cardiovascular diseases. God, honestly, we're all... Do- if you're a diabetic, you're doomed, aren't you, really? There's nothing you could take that's going to help at all. Oh, today, I tell you, I feel chest pains coming on already. I've just sat here for a couple of hours. doesn't make any difference at all to me. But I shall have to do it. Ian Dale is in for Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, they're going to be asking uh, the big question, which you know the answer to as well, as the Woolwich killers are sentenced, should they get whole life terms? I can't see anything else. Can't see any- And it should mean life. It's got to mean life. Uh, do you go to prison if you commit domestic violence and you still think the BBC licence fee is worth the money? Not with 46 people on a programme working on it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, The Sun on their front page this morning have got uh, the former Premiership footballer ace Niall Ranger, dubbed Niall Ripper by the woman he allegedly raped in a hotel. Uh, She branded him a sex predator. get these stories every so often, don't you? And it does tend to be with footballers, I'm afraid. A suspect accused of the 1982 IRA Hyde Park bombing that killed four soldiers has been freed because he was wrongly given a police guarantee that he wouldn't face trial. A judge said the error meant John Downey cannot be prosecuted. He lives apparently in Ireland. He he runs, I think he's on an oyster farm now. And he's a man of peace. He lives near Roy Greenslade of the Guardian fame. Uh, The story on the front of the mirror... Rebecca Adlington's nose. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, if you keep going on about it all the time, small wonder the woman's got a, an inferiority complex. One, f- one punch, one life. A thug. Lewis Gill. Pathetic waste of space, honestly. Gives this man who told somebody off for cycling on the pavement. He said, look, you don't cycle. On the, you're not supposed to cycle on the pavement. The, you know, the law in the country is you use the roads. You know, I'd happily push all cyclists off. I don't have any, any, any qualms about things like that at all. Anyway, this other person got involved and hit this man in the face. He went down immediately, in a Dorset street, a Dorset street. You could almost imagine this would be sort of London, but no, a Dorset street. Doesn't matter where you are in the country. And here is Lewis Gill, the cowardly killer. I'm sure they'll meter out some sort of punishment to you in prison, please God. And uh, this, this man went down, Andrew Young, 40, and didn't get back up again either. He died in hospital the next day. And his mother 
called the manslaughter sentence a joke, which means he gets four years, and under the present system, he can be out in two. It's like, it's like a teddy bear's picnic, isn't it? So you're free to go and kill somebody else out there. Absolutely appalling, I'm afraid. Cliff Richard is in the papers. He's given a, a radio interview in which he's described Coronation Street as his guilty pleasure. But now, because he spends a lot of time abroad, he's not, uh, he's not too bothered. He likes Downton now, so he's, he's moved his allegiance, even though he had a cameo role in Coronation Street. Pippa Middleton causing a bit of a cheeky distraction because of her, her bottom. And uh, recognition has got its upsides, its downsides and its backsides. Joking with the audience at her debut after dinner speech, she spoke for the first time about the frock and admitted, as I found out, recognition, as I've just said, has upsides, downsides and backsides. So somebody obviously wrote, wrote that for her, because I can't see that she could actually write anything like that. It's very complicated after dinner speaking. It is very uh, complicated. Michelle has changed me. She's all I want rolled in a one. That's uh, the only way as Essex uh, Mark Wright. There's something about him. It's just, it just doesn't sort of sit with me at all. And they went to a TV awards do. And his programme's being filmed. They're, they're trying to drum up interest in party right around the world. And sort of make it into... I don't know what they're sort of making. I don't know. I've really got no idea. They've tried with other programmes before. It hasn't quite worked. Hasn't quite worked. Uh, Dappy, narrowly avoided bankruptcy. Managed to find 140,000. I mean, I'm sure I've got 140,000 down under the uh, back of the sofa. Imagine just being able to find... £140,000. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve uk. Uh, listening to you from San Francisco, talking about the proposed anti-discrimination law in Arizona. I thought I'd add to the conversation, says Debbie. I think Governor Brewer is highly unlikely to sign the legislative bill due to the uh, scheduled 2015 Super Bowl set to be held in Phoenix. Because that's big money. Yesterday, the home team, Arizona Cardinals, joined the NFL, the National Football League, in releasing statements that basically said they don't support anything that has the potential to discriminate and both emphasise tolerance. They went on to say that they're monitoring the situation and declined to comment further. Read uh, that between the lines. Yes, and also Apple. And I think if this goes through, and she'd be an immensely stupid woman to push it through, and anybody else would be very stupid to push it through, then I think uh, these big businesses have to pull out of Arizona. It's bankrupt them if necessary. Never heard so much intolerance in my time from somebody professing to be Christian, which I find absolutely unbelievable. Uh, yes, John Layton was the singer of Johnny Remember Me. He was in the movie The Great Escape. Was he really? Johnny Remember Me. Uh, Stephen says uh, they must be make uh, Northampton used to be the headquarters of Barclay Card. Really? Northampton? Was it really? I only remember South End. Could be wrong, actually. Could be wrong on that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here, which uh, says, uh, the cure that you and many other people have been looking for is diabetes. Oh, yes, it'd be lovely if there was a cure for diabetes. But, uh, but there isn't, I'm afraid. So we have to, we have to take our medicine and we just, we just get on with it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we shall weave everything in. Where's this one here? Wait a minute. Just go to... Pushing me wrong screen, actually. Uh, you'll never guess. The Matrix signs on the M4 are warning salt spreading. Well, it's probably because of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the frost, which they've predicted. That's what they've actually predicted. Uh, Goiza, says Patrick. The name of the little dumplings with various fillings and served with a soy-based dipping sauce. <gasps> wow. I love that. I love that. Cheryl says, are your listeners aware as a homeowner, you're responsible for the repair of the outside box that houses your gas and electric meters. I don't have any gas or electric meters outside. They're all inside. 
all inside. And uh, so, so um, I was told by British Gas to go to B&Q and buy my own because the box has been exposed by the elements. Well, I, as I say, I don't, I don't know anybody who's got outside boxes. Are they, are they quite normal? I mean, I've seen them outside houses. We don't have them. We have them all inside, locked in cupboards. They are lockable cupboards, so only we can open them and people can actually get in there to read metres. But we haven't got anything outside at all. Although I'm led to believe, the producer tells me, that we've all got um, water things outside on the street. Metres kind of thing. I'm thinking of get- about getting a water meter. It might be advisable. Might- he asked me the other day how many baths I was having. A bit personal, I thought, honestly. I sent him a picture of a duck. I thought, you know, I'll tell you. Uh, right. Oh, yes, the, uh, there's a, another... There's a, the, uh, Britain's richest MP said he had no idea how much his £110 million family estate got in housing benefits for tenants struggling to pay their rent. This is Richard Bennion, the Tory, who faced a storm of criticism after the Mirror revealed on Monday he'd attacked the something-for-nothing welfare state while receiving huge sums in housing benefit from West Berkshire Council. <sighs> Goodness me. Still to come, the cyclist who caused chaos on the M25. This is LBC. I've got Ian Dale in for Nick Ferrari from 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, Natasha says that the pain of my super early start being eased by listening to At Steve Allen Show, she says a one-man monologue of hilarious rage. I quite like that, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Somebody called Stephen says, uh, at Steve Allen Show, because that's my, my Twitter, at Steve Allen Show, he says, I see you have the gorgeous Pordy on your team. He makes my heart flutter. You know who that is? Unbelievable, isn't it? Well, he certainly knows you. I'm really, it's like a dating agency in here. It's getting worse. Actually, uh, we had Nigel Harmon for In Conversation last week. And during the conversation, because his, his, his theatre goes back a long way, and he was talking about the Simmons brothers, Keith and Alan. And I said I'd seen them at, uh, at a Water Rats do. And then learned it, because everybody listens to LBC. And so I get a, a letter from Keith the other day. An email. An email. An email. Even, even better, Keith. He says, I'm past King Rat... Of the Water Rats. Uh, Keith Simmons, and I was told yesterday that you had Nigel Harmon on your show, and he spoke about my brother Alan and myself working with him many years ago in Croydon. How great! I didn't think he'd remember us. I'd love to make contact with him again. Um, I would call in at the Palladium, because that's where he is, Keith, so I know somebody will get the the message back, so it's nice to know that uh, that Keith is there. Thank you very much indeed for that. And so I, I would definitely go to the Palladium. Because you'll find Nigel there every day. I mean, it promises to be really super. They've had one or two little problems with the opening of the show, so they postponed it. And I think it's going to be Saturday. I think it's going to be Saturday now. But uh, no, contact. He'd love to. He'd love to see you. Absolutely, he really would. Uh, another one here, Gold Dust Woman. I get all these different people, don't I? I just can't work out who Stephen is, who likes you a lot. So there you go. And uh, Michael Reardon. He said, Michael Reardon, he says, I, it's, it's, it's true, sitting in my security box, listening to Steve Allen. Are people in security box? When you say security boxes, are they like prisons or something? Um, apparently, uh, the radio interview where Sir Cliff mentions Corrie was with me. It seems the papers were afraid to say Cliff has his own radio station. Has he? Look, well, you're telling me something I didn't know before. Cliff Richard's got his own radio station. 
How do you work that one out? I have to find out more, don't I? So that's... Uh, <laughs> we shall find out. Cliff Richard Radio. Cliff Richard Radio. Good Lord. So there you go. Is it an internet radio? It might be an internet radio, mightn't it, or something like that. I don't know. Could be, actually. Um, so there you go. So there is such a thing as Cliff Richard Radio. Cliff Radio. Sounds very exciting. Uh, some more of your uh, texts and uh, emails. Les says, I read an article about a possible cure for type 2 diabetes. I know. We get them every day. There's always something in the Express about um, either the weather, a medical item, or the royal family. And now they've got a new way to end the pain of arthritis. It's an injection which is very powerful, and they say it's a way to stop nerve cells in diseased joints sensing pain. I'm not going to go into it because there's so many of these sort of things, and a lot of it is not tested for use in this country. So what they've done is they've picked up on a story that might be running in in America where they have different licensing, and then they they put it in the papers over here, and, of course, it gives people false hope. They think, that's great. I want to go and get that. And, of course, it's not available here until it's been tested, and sometimes it can take take years Absolutely years. Jill says if you put white pepper on strawberries, it enhances the flavour. Oh, yuck. White pepper on strawberries. Not sure about that one. <laughs> that was white pepper. It was bad enough with the other things, actually. Uh, Patricia says I've been tempted by the ads for those hanging strawberry plants. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had uh, hanging baskets with strawberries in the other year and hanging baskets with tomatoes in the other year. And uh, works a treat. Absolutely works a treat. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Um, one here from Margaret, who says, 15 years without you, welcome back into my life. I exchanged Barnes for Cornwall, which was great, except I lost LBC. But now, ta-da, I've got it back again. I've got it back again. And uh, I love watching the, uh, the programme. Uh, Nick Knowles, when you did that sumo wrestling bout... I think you'll find, actually, it's on YouTube. I think it's Steve Allen, Five's Company, Sumo Wrestling. There's quite a number of uh, of little videos. They are from a long, long time ago, I should point out. And uh, Margaret says, as far as the uh, pain clinic, I'm, I'm decrepit now. But uh, she said, good luck with the cardiac later. Yes. Yes. Uh, Tom is going to be on LBC shortly, discussing the mayor's failure to spend his full affordable housing budget. And uh, another one here. Well, let me do quickly do these, because I'm never going to get around to this, am I? We'll have a free podcast for you up in about half an hour's time. The producer will work his little sock. It's been a busy day today, because he's got to put together the best of Steve Allen. We've got to record the links for In Conversation this week, which is going to be... I'll tell you who it is for In Conversation this week. We'll have some clips on Friday. Uh, Warwick Davis, because he's uh, touring with his little theatre company, and it's a farce, which is brilliant. It's got fantastic reviews. And Marty Webb who came in to, uh, and ironically, she's telling us on a Sunday as well. That's the show she's back in. Only for about another week, though. Check it out on her, her website, Marty Webb, looking and sounding fantastic. Fantastic. Warwick Davis, always good value. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing myself to death at the moment. Uh, so, front pages of the, uh, the papers expressed Joanna Lumley, why we should all live life to the full. It's uh, an interview that she's, uh, she's given, and, uh, and, and she's absolutely right. Give life your best shot. You, you have to live every day as if it's your last. For some people, of course, it might be. For some people, it, it might be. Uh, so, consequently, that's her secret for success. Live it. I mean, I do that. That's my secret as well. Uh, Cathy says, Cliff has a 48-hour radio station playing rock and roll. Good Lord, honestly, the things. The things you hear about. It's absolutely unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. Uh, another one here. This is the uh, the Metro. Talk about the Hyde Park victims denied justice. The blundering police give amnesty to a, a suspect. The Daily Mail have the uh, the sick joke. A vulnerable man's life ended by a punch after he complained about a cyclist on the pavement. Um, the front of the independence, the catastrophic police blunder, freeing the alleged Hyde Park bomber. Front page of the Times was one of Muhammad Ali's greatest fights, fixed by the mob. Well, I should imagine if they can, they can fix most things. Uh, fraud case MP, almost 200,000 in debt. You can read that on the Times. And uh, it's Milan Fashion Week. Have you noticed it's Fashion Week everywhere? Somewhere around the world, it's Fashion Week. And uh, it's a little old rubbish. I'm not remotely interested in fashion. If it arrives in Mark's dispensers, I'll wear it. Uh, the four soldiers murdered in one of Britain's most notorious IRA bombings have been denied justice after a key suspect walked free from court because of a monumental police blunder that has granted him effective immunity. I'm sure they'll be talking about that later on today. Nursing cutbacks linked to higher patient deaths. And David Cameron's claim that spending on flood defences will rise under the coalition last night, contradicted by the statistics watchdog, which said the budget had been cut by nearly £250 million. Just about it for today. Thank you very much indeed for your texts, your emails and uh, all your kind comments. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. I I'm, I'm, I'm go through phases of being particularly good. Hopefully I shall be alive to tell you. How the cardiac thing went, and I'm sure it'll be absolutely marvellous. I hope so, anyway. Just involves taking your shirt off, and you think, oh, God, I just wish I had a six-pack. So I'm back tomorrow from 4am. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like through our new podcast service. Download the app now on lbc.co.uk. Later on at LBC, Ian Dale is here from 7 for Nick Ferrari with breakfast. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.